and we're live! It should all be working. Huzzah! Hooray! Uh, hello and welcome to Lords of Pain Radio Aftershock for New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 14, Night 1, January the 4th, 2020. <laughs> it's a long title. <laughs> I can get through it. Uh, for, some, for some of us, it's actually morning one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just... I'm an idiot. Oh. So I was wondering why I could hear myself speak, and it's because I've got the YouTube stream up, because I'm a smart person. At least I know it's working. <laughs> <That's like a laughs> <panic>. <laughs> oh, so many different things wording right now. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the show just ended within like 10, 20 minutes ago, depending on if you watched the post-match, um, I guess, talks between everybody, with Naito coming out and Okada talking as well. Spoilers for the results for later. <laughs> Actually, we might as well start with those when we get to it. But today, uh, LP Aftershock, it's... Not just me banging on about New Japan by myself for a couple of hours or whatever. It's not just me and Jan either with like our AEW shows. It's a proper Kingdom of Honor and Imp Adventure crossover. So I'm joined first by the normal. I'm joined by Jan. Hey, everybody. And I am also joined for the first time ever by Jeff. Well, hello. A first time meeting for Imp and Jeff on one of these post shows as I madly kick about <laughs> trying to get everything. But Jeff has had a crush on Imp for months, so it's 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 great that they're finally conversing. Right? I I'm so excited. <laughs> I al- I almost so excited I almost wet myself. <laughs> well it is that wasn't urine. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off this YouTube stream on a PG footing. (laughs) (laughs) That'll quickly change. (laughs) Maybe I should not have enabled monetization, we'll see. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so uh, today we'll be talking about the uh, show that has just happened, going through the matches, what we thought about it, maybe as quickly as possible, as it is currently where, with Jan and Jeff, it's currently 7.45 or around that time in the morning. Uh, 6.45. 645. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, of course you're central. Yeah, so it's not as uh, bad for me. At lunchtime, it's lovely. I've got a cup of tea. The sun's out. If I open the windows, the sun's out. <laughs> it's nice and it's sunny. Uh, and lovely time to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm on uh, my eighth cup of coffee, so this could get interesting. <laughs> oh. Right, so I guess first of all, overall feelings about Wrestle Kingdom 14 night one, uh, uh, I guess minutes after coming off of it ending, what are your initial late night, really tired <laughs> feelings about Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, it was better than I expected, actually. Um, you know, Jeff and I had talked about how on, on Kingdom of Honor on Monday and how, you know, we were really looking forward more to night two because night two seemed to be the, the more jam-packed with great matches night, whereas... Night one, you know, there was opening with those three um, eight-man tags and then the tag title match that neither one of us was really looking forward to. But, you know, the the first eight-man tag was pretty good. The other two kind of just flew by. And then that tag title match was just nails. So I loved that. And, and it just kind of rolled nicely into those last four matches for me. So, I mean, I thought it was a great show. I... Uh... I have mixed feelings. I have an overwhelming sadness um, because of the title changes. Uh, only one of them I was happy to see. The uh, The rest of it was, I thought the final four matches were um, as expected. Uh, we had two match of the year candidates in there easily and maybe a third. Uh, it, it, it was 
those last four matches were fun. That tag title match was much better than I expected. And like Shane said, that first match was good. The two, uh, the other two eight-man tags, I got my couch fixed during them, so uh, it all worked out well in the end. Uh, I have just realized some really smart person in my house has put on a washing machine about three feet away from me. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, hopefully my sound wall stops it a bit. <laughs> I do apologize. I oh, did, oh, it's... Oh. With what goes on on our show, this is that's nothing. <laughs> no, it's we, like, we have chaos. <laughs> like I'm trying we have to dogs. Bar- we have dogs barking and kids screaming and and cats knocking Je- down trees. It's Je- all Je- just Jeff Je- Je- going to the bathroom every fifteen minutes. Every fifteen minutes. <laughs> it, it's so this so washing machine we can deal with. <laughs> this is low key for Kingdom of Honor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Part of the norm. Uh, so no, my, low key, no low key. No low key wasn't even on this show. <laughs> I, I don't God, watch MLW. completely ruined it. Because <laughs> I don't watch MLW. I've not seen him since he was last on Impact. I want to say it's been a lot well, of years for me. Years. If you ever, if you ever do go through to watch MLW, stop once uh, 2019 hits. Oh, <laughs> oh here, I, oh, here I was thinking they were one of the rising companies to maybe check out at some point whenever I've got time, which I haven't got. <laughs> but maybe if AW they falls were into at, a well, maybe they were at one point. I don't believe they are anymore, but uh, it's too bad. Uh, well, however, I, I did. I, however, I did just read that coming up on their next tapings, Brian Pillman's wrestling for the world championship against Jacob Five Two. Um, there's going to be a no ropes, no holds barred. Or, I'm sorry, no ropes, barbed wire match between Jimmy Havoc and Mance Warner, and a no ropes. No holds barred match between Davy Boy Smith and Alex Hammerstone. So and you know, none, of it I'm ex- none of it that okay. I'm excited for. Seriously, you like none all of, those guys? I do, but I'm so sick of seeing Havoc and and Warner doing the same death match over and over and over again. Well, this Pillman, is a different death match. I just told oh, you that. oh, okay, it's slightly <laughs> different. Uh, I, I'm sick and t- I, I don't believe Pillman deserves to, a title shot. And as much as I love Hammerstone, Davy Boy. Are they still feuding over his sister? I don't know what's happening anymore. It's just, I don't get it. I don't care. <laughs> I would say, wildly off topic within five minutes. We've done it. That, <laughs> again, that is normal for our show. <laughs> but David Boy Smith, oh, what's the, uh, the WrestleMania weekend event where you know, all the matches are kind of sh- mini shoot, shoot ones and they have no ropes? Oh, what's it called? Oh, Blood Sport, that's it. Uh, Davy Boy Smith in Bloodsport against Killer Cross was fantastic. So maybe high hopes for that one. Isn't that where his tournament? Worse. Isn't that where he won the Catch Catch Can tournament? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> it was months ago now. <laughs> oh, but it was. Oh, he might. Uh, who cares? New Japan. <laughs> I'm <made it> back <laughs> in. <laughs> At least oh. we got somebody that can reel us in. So, so, what, so what were your what were your overall thoughts on the show? Anyway, yeah, so uh, I was, uh, so for me, uh, it was kind of like an early 6am awake call. I was still recovering from a very drunk New Year's Day, and I was still recovering from my, I did two shows, recordings on Thursday, so I've had like two late nights already. Then my alarm went off at 6am today, and I was having none of it. So, like, I'm really tired, viewing took me a little while to wake up, so my judging on the first kind of half of this show might not be, I guess, entirely fair. But I was like very tired and just kind of coming into it. So I, I guess the opposite of you guys, where you were up for it at the start and slowly just got less and less energy. Whilst for me, 
I started with no energy and slowly got more and more into it. So, um, I think that would sum it up for me as well because I woke up at one thirty. The show started at two o'clock here, oh, okay. and then I fought with I fought with my stream for about a half an hour before I finally got it okay. going. And then uh, watched the opening match, which was better than expected when I saw the names. Um, there were a couple of lines during that match that I thought were gold, um, especially Rocky calling uh, um, Taguchi's uh, butt bump the Bumaye or the Bumamye. Oh, the Bumaye. I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny, um, but. <laughs> The match, that match itself, considering the average age of the people in that was 74, I enjoyed it. I was just surprised that nobody broke a hip. <laughs> like I was, I was fearing. I, yeah, doing... and I was, I was hoping to, I was hoping as usual that Taguchi would break a hip, but yeah. I was a little sad he didn't go into his coach moments, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, he was the baby of the match, <laughs> like the youngest out of all of yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 64. <laughs> well, because um, I wrote him because I done I took part in the preview for Wrestle Kingdom fourteen on uh, LordsPain.net in column form. It was myself and Sir Sam trying to predict against Social Suplexes, keeping it strong style podcast, who are a New Japan specialist show, and we tried to predict it. And one of the lines I wrote for that opening match, if I can bloody find it, that was it. So I was talking about Jushin Liger and how confident I was that on night one his team would win. And my last line was, unless he really, really wants to put over to Gucci. But I think I'm fine from that happening. I bloody predicted it. <laughs> like, line for line. <laughs> I predicted what's going to happen. I, I was like, oh, no, it'll be fine. When I, when I saw that, the first thing that popped into my mind is that was the right call. Oh, yeah. It, it worked out because Taguchi was by far the youngest and most active guy in that, in that um, match. And the fact that it builds a little bit more drama having um, uh, Liger put over somebody in night one when he's going to go out in style in night two. Oh, yes. I, th- I think he's doing the job again in night two, putting over the current like two of the backbone stars of the junior division on night two. Uh, so like, how he wouldn't go out any other way, Jushin Thunder Liger. Like, the go out on your back kind of thing, he was always going to do that. There's too much respect for him not to do it. And it's, yeah, uh, it's going to be emotional, especially on Monday like, with New Year's Dash. Like I said on Monday, on our show last Monday, I really, really wish that uh, it had been a one-on-one match in night two with him and uh, uh, Hiromo. But I, I'm kind of okay with the tag match now, too, because he can, he can still put over Hiromo and not have to lose one-on-one to him. Yeah, yeah Hiromo, Hiromo or Dragon Lee, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, either one of them. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, it's not Dragon Lee anymore, isn't it? Didn't he change no. his name to something else? Yeah, it's uh, like really because of yeah, the re- yeah because of the troubles. Let's put it put it short. <laughs> like, yeah, he's had troubles essentially. <laughs> Back home with he both he and his brother both essentially uh, kicked out. Hooray! <laughs> Went yeah. <laughs> so he they've banned him from using Dragon Lee. So he's got to come up with a new name. Uh, he's still he's but, still but, using but I, it though in in the states. Yeah, but but I see. I'm still allowed to say Dragon Lee, so I'm going to say oh. Dragon Lee. Oh, okay. <laughs> <It's> Dragon okay. <laughs> like, I, uh, um, as, and as far as this, and as far as this eight man tag or this yeah eight man tag goes, honestly, I was super excited to see Tetsuma Fujinami in there. Hmm. You know, he's he's a legend in the cruiser in the junior heavyweight division, a legend in the heavyweight division. It was great to see him out there for one more match. Yeah, even though that bump he took on the outside really, really had me frightened that he wasn't getting up. True. Mm. That uh, yeah. it, it was. 
And that's mainly because of, you know, the fact that a man that advanced in age should not be flying over the top rope. Ever. <laughs> yeah. It's Ever. one of those where I could understand in his head, he's probably like, I'm Fujinami, I used to be the man. It would make sense if it's a slightly bigger bump, but that's my one bump and I'm done. <laughs> and he just lied there for the entire <laughs> rest of the match. <laughs> I mean, my, gran- my grandpa, like, breaks hips slipping on ice. I'm surprised that he walked away from that. Uh, he's he's uh, he's been working out for fifty years, Fujinami. He's nothing but muscle. That's, that's a good <laughs> Com- point. That's compared good to Gucci, point. who's nothing but butt muscle. <laughs> that is his entire gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, but it I was, don't ever want to hear the word butt muscle again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the finish of this match is entirely dedicated to the funky weapon. <laughs> There's so many different names for his butt. <laughs> I don't even see all of them. <laughs> So, uh, but I was I was with you. I was genuinely surprised because I was fearing like in AAA sometimes they'll do like legend matches and they often win the award for worst match of the year. So I was that's right. kind of the bottom line for me for what I was expecting. I know in New Japan they're normally really good at uh, like putting the legends all in this kind of spot <laughs> and showcasing them and having the match kind of every person gets in their spot, which is perfectly fine and safe. Like great Sasuke, he did. I think he did a Swanton at some point. And for him, that's really low key. <laughs> that is right, like, so exactly. nothing uh, for what he's doing. Like the other week, which is the crazy mental stuff. He's still doing that move, like onto ladders and things. <laughs> he is a crazy, crazy man. Uh, they put that over the, on commentary. <laughs> the well. one thing that I really liked about this match um, was their uh, eight-man breakdown. When um, on you know that moment in every one of these eight-man matches, when all hell breaks loose, uh, it didn't get out of control. It was just everybody came in, hit one move, and the ring cleared for uh, Taguchi and um, Liger to make the finish. Right. It wasn't overdrawn. It wasn't everybody trying to hit some flashy look-at-me move. It was just everybody came in, they punched their uh, whoever they were against, and ring cleared. I thought that was that was probably the best I've ever seen that done. Hmm. It's like it was perfect for the kind of card that we had, where like for the past few Vessel Kingdoms we've had that big flashy match start off, often with the young books of like Ricochet and Matt Seidel. Like that kind of act has normally been in the opening match. Whilst this yep. kind of felt like it was a normal it was more standard New Japan card where it legends at the start and you slowly build and build up. Uh, this like this that this it kind of was a bit reminiscent of what the main event was, where it's that really slow kind of start, but it builds and builds and builds and builds. Uh, compared to what we used to at Wrestle Kingdom, which might take notes from like WWE with their success with WrestleMania, where you have the white hot starter, and then you die down a bit and slowly build up from there. This was no, it was more like New Japan standard. I agree with you on that. I, I, it was nice having the emotional start and not that white hot white hot start that we're so used to. Hmm. And and I, I thought a nice touch in the match was was when Sano and Liger. Well, first of all, they started out against each other, but also. After the, a couple of the other guys from the other team had been in, and Liger was trying to fight his way out, it took him like six shotes to finally get Sano down, which was a nice way of kind of like showing how he's aged and how that shotes can't be effective as as it used to be. Right, but Cheeseburger can use it really well. Ugh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> no, I did not. Now I think he was his scrawny, his scrawny, his scrawny, terrible orange or green and yellow. Ass. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I you do it to me. It's my only fair. Um, <laughs> we I did notice too one thing from that was severely missing from this card was no talent other than Moxley from a different organization. 
There was no uh, CMLL guys. There was no Ring of Honor guys. There was nothing. Moxley was the only one on night one that was not a New Japan um, contract employee. Yeah, um, it kept the focus really on, I guess, that small niche kind of area. Because Night 2 does open up a bit. Like, we've got Dragon Lee turning up. We've got Chris Jericho as well. Moxley's back again. Uh, I guess Moxley, Juice Robertson would kind of gear a bit towards the US expansion that's more happening this year with them starting those shows as well. So there is outside wider implications are happening on Night 2. Whilst on Night 1, it was very focused on New Japan itself and what's going to be happening with that direction. Uh, so, yeah, that's actually quite a good point, especially with how Night 2 shaping up. Well, even even Night 2 doesn't have a whole ton of talent outside of, um, you know, those three guys. And Dragon Lee, is, is he contracted anywhere? He's still independent, isn't he? Yeah, he's independent, and you will see him show up in some places, like all over the place. He's, yeah. he's just not, he's not really like the ring of honor guys those guys are uh they were always a part of njpw and it it was it's kind of more telling to me now that um you know moxley won the belt and then is going on to night two and now we've got jericho with a possible implication that um tanahashi might get a title shot down the line I, i it's starting to feel more like the um paradigm is shifting to an aew njpw uh, partnership than and kind of getting away from the Ring of Honor partnership, which is not a bad idea. Oh. <laughs> I'm assuming <clears throat> you agree, Jan, with that kind of. Yeah, I think I think NJPW would be very smart not to stay on the sinking ship that's called Ring of Honor, as far as having an alliance with them. You know, so so I I think you know them them partnering with. Um, with AEW would, would be great. I think I think where the hiccups going to come in is really going to be their deal with CMLL because CMLL is still a strong partner for NJPW, and yet CMLL is not someone that AEW has a relationship with, and that might cause some issues. But are they really still a strong partner when they had no presence in any of the last six months on um, any NJPW programming, and the guy that they fired is a focal point of tomorrow night's show? Well, as far as I know, Fantastic Mania is still taking place, and I think that, well, I guess I haven't checked, but I would assume it's still taking place. And then, you know, I, I think the New Japan is still going to be sending their guys on excursion to mm. NJPW, so I would think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, to uh, CMLL, so I would think that, so. That might open up, though, if they, if they form a partnership with AEW, AEW has the partnership with AAA. Um, so that could open things up a little bit as well. Oh, it's an even bigger circle. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, not forget, like this past week, uh, Kawato, who's still on excursion in CMLL, he got his head shaved as well, so he's going through a whole transformation in there. Uh, it's one of those where you look at it, going, "No, Kawato." I'm like, oh, I remember me and Jan just, uh, just, yeah, fully going on about him for ages and how great he was as a young lion, and now he's in a CMLL getting his hair removed. He spent years growing it back because <laughs> it's a young lion. <laughs> he lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so before the, we get, obviously, oh, you, uh, you do your point first because I was about to transition. Oh yeah, that, that's kind of where I was going to is, oh. is moving on to the, moving on to a different thing, but bringing up a young lion. Um, I the Lan, uh, Lance Vance, what are, what are we? What is he? Lance Archer now, yeah. uh, using a long, young lion as a weapon. I thought was <laughs> really entertaining. 
<laughs> I think my favourite thing is when he times it perfectly with his entrance and it starts the everybody dies line. The favourite one yep. he did, I think it was on one of the US shows, he timed it perfectly so the first everybody dies where it builds up with the beat. He, he just knocked out a young lion with <laughs> everybody dies. It was absolutely perfect. Yep. <laughs> I like the fact that he's still, he's still maintaining the KES uh, beat down the young lions on the way to the ring. Um, mantra uh, and so, you, using one as a weapon, though that that was my that was the highlight of my night. <laughs> uh, so before we go through the card, we have actually had chat messages to look through, which is oh. we're live. It happens. Right. So first of all, so Sam is uh, popped up into the chat. Uh, what a night! Don't know how long I'm going to last, but I'll keep listening as long as I can. Good to have you with us, Sir Sam. Yes, uh, check out the column. Me and him got destroyed on this night. About halfway through, I was zero for four. Nailed it. <laughs> well done, mate. Uh, <laughs> uh, a quick note when we were talking about MLW, uh, a note from uh, Dose of Reality uh, saying MLW is having matches against AAA. Uh, I think you've done a few shows maybe on... I've seen LA Park show up on a few on the MLW. I don't know what their roster is. <laughs> I don't know if it's AAA or them, but I, I'm aware that that's happening. That was just a quick note. Uh, and a final comment from Jason Avery, uh, talking about the pacing of New Japan matches, which I guess comes up with the later ones as well, saying the form- he personally thinks their formula for matches is just awful. They start the main event with five minutes of rest holds. I'm sure people will call that build-up, but it's just so boringly formulaic. Uh, I, obviously, I am one of those people who would call it build-up. However, I am also European, and if you watch like reviews of British and European shows, quite often you'll hear the phrase British pacing, or it's got a few problems with British pacing. <laughs> so, I am all of my entertainment, I am used to that slower pace. So, I'm quite interested to hear what like two Americans kind of do actually think about that slow build-up pace of New Japan. Well, Shane and I talked about this what a year and a half ago when we reviewed the All In show. Um, Marty Skrull and Okada, they started the match really, really slow. Lots of rest holds, lots of feeling out process before they hit their second gear. And I think NJPW has to do that because every match, the way they build their shows is they don't have a rest match. When you watch WWE, they always throw in that one match, goofy, funny, whatever match in in between two of the big event, two of the bigger matches to cool the crowd down. NJPW has a formula where they continually build the show from start to finish. So it's up to the wrestlers in each match to cool the crowd before heating them up again. And so I don't have a problem with the uh, with the way their formula is. I in fact I think I actually like it better because like you said it 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 watching two wrestlers be able to cool a crowd and then build them again is just a work of art. And you don't see that anywhere except for British and Japanese wrestling. It's exactly the case, and you know, it, if you if you actually look back at a time in professional wrestling, that's how it always used to be, even in, even in, in the United States. Like if you watch like an old NWA show, you watch an old WWF show, that's how it was. I mean, the guys that went out there, they were masters of psychology. They knew how to bring how to slow down the crowd, how to how to draw them back in, and then expand out later in the matches. It's not just a New Japan thing. It's, it's, something, it's a traditional professional wrestling thing. And if you've only been watching as a modern fan, you may not realize that, and you may be used to, the, to, the, to what WWE does, which is, which is they'll, you know, they'll have, like, like Jeff said, like, you know, back in the days when they had two, well, I guess they do, they do have two world championships again, so you might, like, these days, you might get, like, 
you know, Brock Lesnar defending the world title against Seth Rollins as the main event, and then you have, like, as as what's the actual semi-main, which is, like, you know, um, let's say Kofi Kingston against Daniel Bryan in the other match, but then in, in between there, you'll put, like, um, a goofy tag match or a women's title match in the days where, or, it, was, where it was more diva-like, and, or you might have, like, a a comedy skit, you know, something to, something to get the crowd off what they just saw in one world title match and get them ready for the next title match. Run the rock out there for a 10 minute promo that leads nowhere and just, um, buries somebody. Yes. You know, something like that. You know, the other thing I would say, Jason and Jeff and I talk about this all the time on our show is not all professional wrestling is for everybody. So, you know, so, you know, if you're, if you really feel that way about new Japan pro wrestling, that I, that I encourage you you know, don't you know? Send that negative, those negative vibes in, into the atmosphere. Don't send it out into the universe. It's perfectly okay to have your own opinion, but I mean, find something else to watch that you do enjoy. You know, if if you don't enjoy New Japan, then you know, don't watch it. Watch WWE or watch NXT or watch um, Impact or watch AEW. Whatever you like, then you, then you know, tune into that stuff and enjoy what you what you enjoy. The thing about wrestling, and and Shane just said it, we talk about this all the time, it's all subjective to your personal views. Not everybody's going to like everything, which is why so many promotions are able to thrive and so many different styles are able to thrive because what I like over here, you're not going to like, and you might like this, but you might like that too. So you're able to watch what you want to watch and what makes you happy. You don't have to. One of the biggest things I've hated about wrestling fans over the last eight, ten years, is that all they do is they focus on the stupidity and the negative instead of realizing that there's so much more out there that they can gravitate to and actually enjoy the sport again. And one more point to add on, and, and, and maybe kind of wrap this up, is, is, one, is not when it comes to their weekly television, but when it comes to their pay-per-views, one of the things that Jeff and I love so much about AEW it's not just that you know the guys that we loved in New Japan and Ring of Honor have founded that promotion and are stars of that promotion, but also that they brought the New Japan style of putting together wrestling cards to the United States. So even when you watch AEW, you see the same kind of thing where they're building, building, building the card to the big matches, and those guys have to be masters of psychology to get the crowd where they want them to be. And it's beautiful to watch. The nice thing about that, and, and Imp, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the nice thing about that, too, is it puts more emphasis on the world title. Uh, the world title doesn't get buried as a secondary or a third championship because they're constantly building to that to that crescendo, which is usually the world title match. By doing that, you put more emphasis and more um, legitimacy in that top title because it makes it feel that much more important when the whole card is built to that as opposed to just the match itself. <clears throat> oh, I was totally set for Jeff to finish there. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> so, um, I guess before we, like before you guys get too tired, we might, we got to talk about the double dash main event, the double trouble in Tokyo Dome. The, <laughs> IWGP Intercontinental Championship match of Jay White versus Naito and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match of Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. We'll start with the IC match. Uh, Jeff, I think it was before we were on air, you were talking about your feelings towards this match. Uh, so let's talk about you first. How are you feeling about Jay White versus Naito? Well, 
first of all, I'm sad uh, because I just feel like Jay White is in the same spot that Naito was five, four or five years ago, especially before he left to go to Mexico with this. And Jesus, ever since he's been back too, this whole stop and start booking, uh, it's really damaged Naito throughout his career. And they're kind of pulling the same thing with Jay White, where he gets hot, he wins a title, and then they cool him down. And then, you know, now they're going to have to rise him up again. I thought this was a perfect spot for him to win and move on to that um, that match against Okada, which would have been their rubber match. Um, rubber match, you know, for on big stages. And it would have been, they could have gone one of two ways. If If White loses to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, it doesn't hurt White. If White beats Okada at Wrestle Kingdom a second year in the row, it pushes Jay White to a new stratosphere. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. And I, I'm really afraid that what we are going to get is Naito losing to Okada again on a big stage, which is probably going to set him back for the last time. This match itself was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It's every, every Naito-White match we get is brilliant, so this one was no different. Uh, so before I throw to Jan, uh, on Thursday I was joined by Ray Cash of Cheshot Radio and I had him on because he is a mega Naito fan and I thought he'd be at Stress's peak. It would make quite a fun show. <laughs> with the, <laughs> It's been two or three years of just holding in the Engedo we trust after he lost his, his second World Championship match against Okada and it's mm. just like, no, there's a plan. It's Gado. It's It's just long-term booking. He's not done. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. And uh, so, and I was looking at it as a kind of like just outside of this as well as my washing machine kicks into final gear <laughs> with, <laughs> with um, it's a weird I guess outside influence as well. It's the first show of the Baywatt era. It's fallen on a double uh, weekend as well, so it makes sense that they put on their biggest match. So it, to me, it always made sense that they would have Okada and Naito because they're number one and two, and just that that outside influence as well. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that Okada is literally carrying the torch for Japan <laughs> for the Olympics. So outside influence again. We've seen it uh, in the West whenever there's outside influence. That's when we worry because it's like, oh, they'll probably cash in on that. New Japan, I don't think that will happen as much. Like it is a, I guess, uh, the long-term booking will stick more than the, oh, we could get a cheap little promotion from this. So well, I have a bit more confidence than that. But for me, it's the really long arc of Naito, which has been going since, I guess, 2013, where he uh, absolutely flopped as the Stardust genius. Then he lost his main event spot. He lost the match itself. Fast forward, he finally wins the D1 Climax again. He gets to go to Wrestle Kingdom. And then when he tries to prove that, no, I, I that didn't flop, that wasn't a failure, that kind of fires back on him as well. And when he doesn't go to close the match, he pays the price. Mm-hmm. And been, he's had to find himself since he was a kind of a broken guy and Chris Jericho jumps on that and Naito had to spend a whole year rebuilding himself and this feels like it's the culmination of that arc like finally we are at the end of the Naito arc and he wins the championship I don't know how long he held on to it I don't know how strong he is but in terms of like the New Japan long booking arc kind of thing this feels like Naito should be winning and in Gedo we trust <laughs> Naito will be winning it- it's not it's not just a fan theory. We've actually followed the story. Because, of course, if Okada does win, then we just drop that into, oh, wait, no, that was a fan theory. That wasn't a Gado thing. <laughs> but I've... Right. I, uh, I've... <laughs> I mean, I've I'll, totally read into it. 
<laughs> I think I think they picked the right four to go for the dash. I think those are you know we we like to talk about um, Tanahashi being one of the four pillars. You know Shane and I talk about it all the time, but I think right now the four pillars are Kota, Okada, Naito, and um, and Jay White, and having the two longest standing of those pillars and Naito and uh, Okada fight for the championship. I just think it has to be a Naito win, or it destroys Naito going forward. Yeah, totally agree. If um, I was saying on Thursday that if the, if it is like the grand Gado plan, if Naito does lose here, then he's done. Like that's it. It's not the end of the yep. world. He has actively said that he would like people within his own like somebody within his own faction to take over to show how much they really really want to be in that main event spot that he has and take over Lij. He's actively said, yeah, go for it. If you're gonna do it, do it. Have the balls to do it. I like that. It's kind of set up like if he does fail. It's not the end of the world. You can have somebody rise and take over Lij. It does mean he is done, though. So it's like kind of like big picture, not end of the world. But for Naito, it would be, and it would, that's it. Would be the it would be end of the world for his main event push. He would just oh, yeah. be he would never be believable in that role again. It would set up for Sonata uh, and Evil to kind of battle over that top spot with Sonata eventually um, claiming it. But I just think it would be the end of Naito being one of those pillars. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, Jam, what did you make of Jay White versus Naito? <clears throat> well, you know, you know how you guys were talking about earlier, how you were, how you were so tired at the start of the show, and you, you kind of it took you a while to get into it and you, mm. you know, before you were really fully awake? Well, it was the opposite for me. This, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm sad to say that this is the match where I kind of started dozing off during. Um, and I, you know, I tried my, I fought to stay awake. I kept, figure, but I kept finding myself falling asleep during it. You know, I, I, and it wasn't until my, my, uh, my dog crawled between my legs and I, my, I got a super cr- bad cramps in my thighs again, which you might remember from, the, from a couple years ago when we did Dominion, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> um, that I was actually able to really focus on. And so what I saw was, well, like, just, like Jeff said, was brilliant, but, um, there was a lot of that I unfortunately didn't see. I, I, I will say, you know, like I've, I've said, I say this a lot when Kevin Kelly is calling Naito a message, but I really wish he would stop calling the running, uh, I don't know, the running uh, slice bread that Naito does, the um, a, a destino, because it isn't a destino. It's a totally different move. And it and it just it just bugs me that he calls it that all the time. I just um, wish he'd but, stop but, but, screaming but, destino. I was sat there doing it, but but, you know, I'm like Jeff. I feel like they made the right call with the victory. With the victor here, Um, I do feel like Naito has to win tomorrow night, though. And I feel like they've been they've been building the story um, at least for the last two years. I mean, I mean, since Naito lost at Wrestle Kingdom, I think they've been building to this for the last two years. And I think that that White had to lose. I don't think he lost anything by losing to Naito here. I thought it was a ter- I thought it was a terrific showing by him, from you know the, from the part that I saw. I, I can't wait to actually go back and watch this entire match. Um, I love both these guys so much, especially White, but I love both guys. And um, to see them get this spot and and to be in this position, I thought was great for both guys. And I'm and I'm very happy for Naito. I mean, I'm excited for White's future, and. Um, you know, I, I loved, you know, I, I, like I said, I saw the closing sequence of this match and I thought it was just well done all the way around. It, I, uh, I agree with you that this doesn't do 
as much to hurt White. I just hope that they don't continue this kind of booking for him. I think White is at that age where he's 27 years old. He hasn't, I mean, essentially he's only been a main event player for a year. He, last year he was kind of middling in the mid card and you know upper mid card but in the when he turned on Okada that kind of pushed him to the upper main event level or the you know the, the main event level and he's only been there for a year so for him to lose this match in what was a very very good match and another great fight against Naito and to a guy like Naito doesn't kill him he will have to build a little bit to get back now that there's really no mid card except for the U.S. title. Uh, he'll have to build. He'll have to work a little bit to build back to be able to face this. But regardless of who wins, he holds victories over both of them. He has a legitimate shot to say, "Look, I beat you. I beat you. Give me a chance." So yeah. it's just I just don't want to see them continue on this stop and start booking. I mean, they throw the U.S. title on him; he holds it for a couple of weeks before he loses it to Juice. Then they throw the heavyweight title on him; he, you know, kind of middles around with it, doesn't really do much, and then loses it to Okada. And then they throw the IC title on him; he's only had what was this his first or his second defense oh, before he, before he loses it again. So it's just this constant stop and start booking with him that's starting to annoy me i think he needs to whether it's the u.s title the the intercontinental title which unfortunately is going away or the heavyweight title he needs to get a title and run with it for a while and at least have a couple of title defenses before he drops it otherwise he's really in the same boat that naito was in four years ago yeah i feel like i think it's all i think it's also important to look at who he's he's beaten you know this year though i mean he he this year he has victories over Naito. He has victories over Okada. He has victories over Tanahashi. And you mentioned that you mentioned that U.S. title victory. Well, that was over Kenny Omega, and a time when Kenny Omega was running hotter than anybody in the world. Right. So I mean, so I mean, it's it's he's been booked spectacularly since he came since he came back to New Japan. And um, one and another I, and thing I, to note. Go ahead. Another thing to note is he's turned every one of their finishers. He's countered into a Blade Runner. Yep. Every single one of their finishers, no matter what it was, no matter where it came from, he was able to counter it into a Blade Runner. And that's something that, say what you want about wrestling being choreographed, that's hard to do when they're coming from different angles. To to um, counter a, a high five flow into a Blade Runner, but then also be able to do it out of a Destino when you're in midair, that's, that's impressive athleticism. Mm, yeah. He's becoming like a fantastic counter wrestler, just like, mm-hmm. every, like year on year. I can see the improvement when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. Like his sequence of Okada last year, like really showed that to me. It's like, oh damn! Like in a few years, he, he and Okada match is going to be incredible because <laughs> they're both such good counter wrestlers. Uh, we'll also add. Um, I was nodding my head as some more comments came in, and so Sam was saying that he is very he is so pro Destino, <laughs> and I'm just like, yes. When he does it, I am sat there myself, and I also go Destino. <laughs> I do oh, I do, well. I, I do it too. I just tonight, I think it got overwhelming <laughs> because he actually stopped the the final Destino. He actually stopped mid. He goes Destino. No, it was it <laughs> yeah, was yeah. one of those moments where I was just like, "All right, Kevin, Kevin, either slow down on the coffee or you know stop doing that." <laughs> see, and I lo- see, and I love that he called it that way that tonight. So, I, yeah, I just don't like. I just don't like that he calls it the non Destino a Destino. Ah, oh yeah, yeah. So, but in terms of uh, I guess Jay White, 
I I've been a really big fan of his booking. It feels uh, like Okada in his first year, he won the title, then he lost it on his like first defense to Tanahashi. He defended it against like lower down guys or guys rising up before then, and then I want to say it was Dominion. He then lost it to Tanahashi. So he and then of course he was about can he overcome and actually beat Tanahashi. But uh, that, was, that was completely different because once he had won that world title, he never really dropped below to anything. But in terms of like card positioning at the time, Nakamura was the IC title. So that I don't know if Nakamura, like if he'd left a little bit earlier, if Okada might have fallen. I'm not. I don't know about that. But he couldn't have fallen essentially because Nakamura was busy. He was holding that spot against like AJ Styles and Kota Ibushi. The spot was taken. <laughs> there was nothing for him to do. In and they didn't. And they didn't have the US title at that time either. No, they did not. So there was yet. no. There was no mid card for him to fall to. Yeah. Although after he lost to Jay White, they kind of dropped him down a little bit with his red hair balloon gimmick. Oh, the thankfully that only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thankfully that only lasted about three weeks before they decided that was stupid um, and put him back. But you're right, he didn't he didn't drop down. But essentially, it was because he had nowhere to drop down to. Yeah, I love the idea of like in the G One climax, like beforehand as well. He had you know, like, he lost every single match after losing the title, you know, like all tag matches and everything. Even and it went into the G One climax as well. And he was going full weird with his balloons. He was uh, Rocky was in danger of commentary every single night of getting knocked out with those balloons. <laughs> and it took him. It wasn't until he got his first win where over the course of G One he slowly reverted back to the Rainmaker. And he didn't truly come back until Wrestle Kingdom, where with the now infamous meme of him ripping his trousers off and he's got he's got the Okada pants back on. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Yes." Was that, was that Wrestle Kingdom? I thought he. Yes. Yeah, was okay, because I thought. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. I. I got my timeline screwed up. Yep, you're yeah. right. <laughs> I just realized I was meant to be talking about Jay White and I'm immediately back onto Okada's pants. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so with Jay White, uh, we'll get to Okada in a minute. So with Jay White, uh, oh yeah, so I've been a fan of his booking, like Jan. I think it's kind of been like dropping him into the main event with kind of inklings and he's going to be a big guy later on. Because he's so young, it kind of I'm perfectly fine with him dropping him in the knot. They've copied some aspects from Okada, but this proves they're not copying everything. He's kind of like the heel that they build up, and then come the big event, he gets destroyed or whatever. But he gets big wins throughout the year, so that it doesn't feel too, I guess, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> in that he does. <laughs> so That's like he, a perfect example. So like he'll um, he'll chat shit, but he'll actually win before he eventually gets banged. <laughs> like he will what? Uh, will get built he will win some matches on the road which was like my main issue with Bray Wyatt which he seemed to lose at almost every major pay-per-view like Jay White he will make it to the G1 finals for example he'll win, pick a victory up at Dominion but at Vessel Kingdom when it's the big lights well to be fair he won last year but it wasn't like a title match uh, this is his first Vessel Kingdom title match so I don't know uh, how they're going to go forward we'll wait and see but personally, I like the idea of this was more the young lad getting experience than it was like a fully arrived main eventer. Which, to be fair, the fact that he, he's all he's pretty much at that level already is pretty remarkable. That he's already at that point of he, no, he like with these four guys, like I don't really have any contestants. Like, yeah, all four deserve to be there. And to say that for Jay White, who's what twenty five, <laughs> for me twenty seven, twenty seven. Oh, he's my age, cool. So he's still like, so young, and to be in that spot already, it's kind of like, yeah, just give the current guys their 
current shot and wait Jay White can continue to slowly build. Bullet Club has finally found its kind of staying this year. Uh, Kenta was the perfect addition. They suddenly they've got their identity now under Jay White, where, so they can go forward with that finally over this next year. Uh, I'm really positive about it. I don't know what he's going to do next. I don't know if he's going to win tomorrow. Uh, he w- Kota Bushi is the one I've got most questions about, but Jay White, uh, yeah, he's going to build up with Bullet Club. He'll be a dick for a while. <laughs> He'll annoy people. He'll, I hope he stays that for the rest of his career because I don't know that there's anybody better. <laughs> uh, in, all, in all honesty, I mean, we, we talk about it, uh, about, in my eyes, the three top heels this year were uh, obviously MJF. Um, uh, Jay White is... It, it was back and forth all year between Jay White and MJF as the top heels, and, and Matt Taven made his way in there as well. Um, Matt Taven, unfortunately, screwed that up with his horrible end of the year. And MJF, I didn't. I, I felt like MJF is great on the mic, but I don't think he's up to that ability yet in the ring the way that Jay White is. Oh, yeah, that's the difference for me. It's the backing the words up in the ring. Jay White is so much on another level. And you can see yeah. why they've got the, so much faith in him. It's uh, yeah, it's awesome to see, even if he got beat. <laughs> the poor lad. <laughs> Fortunately. Yeah. But yeah, Naito had to win here for me. It'll be building up for too long. It'll be too... Uh, I, in my head, I was like, oh, but they had Jay White beat Okada last year. So there is a story there. <laughs> oh, can Okada beat Jay White with the title on the line this time? Or can Jay White do it with the title on the line this time? Because Championship Okada versus... Just returning as a Rainmaker Ricardo are two different people. But thank God they didn't go with that. <laughs> they went with the Naito story. I'm just really glad they didn't go with the um, Ibushi-Naito story again. I don't know if I can ever watch another one of those two matches emotionally with, <laughs> and, those, with those two in the ring. Uh, I don't think I'm even ready for them to be in the same G1 Climax block. Like I feel like it has to be like a full year just away from it, like a detox yeah, we. I, I, I'm right there with you. I think we need we need some time away from those two in the ring because if if we don't, I'm just a, every time they wrestle, I'm afraid one of them's going to die. <laughs> like speaking of, and, Jack- and, and they're going to and they're going to actually end up wrestling each other for the for the world for the championship at Dominion. So you guys are both be out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jan, uh, Okada versus Ibushi. Uh, I guess uh, reactions at the moment. How are you feeling? I feel like it was a wonderful match. Um, not probably the best, the best title match since in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. I should say since uh, no, their best yeah since uh, Omega versus Okada at was at eleven. Omega yeah. Okada yeah, at, yes. at eleven. Yeah. So I mean, I, I thought it was better. Than, I thought it was better than last year's and the years before. You know, I thought it was actually. A completely outstanding match, right result, um, strong result. I, I said I said off the air. I think you know that I was amazed at that um, the kick out of the of the Rainmaker after the Miss Phoenix splash. I thought for sure that was the end of the match, and then it went on another. Uh, I think what another three or four clotheslines, including one more Rainmaker after that, and you know it was just a. And uh, you know, it, and you know, they they made, they set it up to make it look like Ibushi might actually pull it out and get and get the victory. So it was a great false finish um, on both sides, and I thought it was absolutely fantastically done. Jeff, I thought it was a great match. It it, it to me, it was my second favorite of the night. I still like that junior heavyweight match probably the best. Um, 
I, the ending was well done. Um, I, not a big fan of finisher kickouts, but even though he got hit with the finisher four times, uh, Shane reminded me that he only kicked out of it actually once. So, um, I'm kind of okay with that. I, I like the fact that it wasn't either one of the two guys dominating for major lengths. I mean, you'd have one guy that would go on a five minute run where he'd be dominating and the next guy five minutes. It wasn't one guy dominating the majority of the match and then having that superhero comeback at the end. It was a great back and forth and both of the, both of them looked like they were on equal footing throughout the entire match. So it, it I think it was the right result. I don't think I told Shane off the, you know, before we even got on the air that I thought that it's not, the time is not here yet for Coda. Coda hasn't struggled um, as much as he really needs to. He's held three titles this year. He's, you know, been in wars against people, but never really had to overcome anything the way that Naito and Jay White have. So even though, He's one of those four pillars. I just don't think he's at that spot yet where a title win is in is, is there for him, a heavyweight title win. Hmm. Yeah. So I felt like you know, I felt like it know, was the right result. You know, the other thing I, I really I really confused me about this match is I don't understand. You know, I don't know if the fans in that in that arena just are not Kota Ibushi fans, or if they're just like more fans of Okada, or they might want more want to see honorable wrestling. But to me, being a part of it, you know, Kota Ibushi is my favorite wrestler in New Japan. Or at least he's right up there with Jay White. I mean, it's it's those two are kind of neck and neck. Long, well, I should say Sonata's in there too. But anyway, um, I, I'm a big fan of Kota Ibushi, and part of being a fan of Kota Ibushi is that he does go into those fugue states where he's when he has no emotion, when he's when he's um, been pushed to the point where he's just going to keep kicking and punching, and he's going to ignore the rules. And and for the crowd to start booing him for that, I thought was just really odd because to me that's part of a Kota Ibushi match, at least in the last year and a half or so. It's uh, it's something that seems to always get booed in New Japan when you go in with the closed fists like that, uh, reminiscent of uh, like Shinsuke Nakamura used it when he returned as the King of Strong Style, or self-professed King of Strong Style, uh, where he would bring that kind of Inokiism kind of back. Like you, When he returned at the time, it was... Like, you know that Inokuism that you absolutely hated? Well, I think it's great, and I'm bringing it back. <laughs> so you come in with those like, kind of stiff punches and kicks and things, and that's kind of part of that. And it's, yeah, it is seen as dishonourable, and the fans will most often than not boo it as well. For me, the bit that I think I really like with it was it also came in tow with it, like, Devil Ibushi activated <laughs> at that same point. He just saw all emotion wash from his face like he's... Uh, Antonio Inoki used to do that. Just, like, he's in this serious zone now. And it just, just like, <laughs> it was just like, just like somebody's sitting there with a remote and said, "Okay, no more feelings," and yeah. shuts them off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I kind of no- I noticed that too. So, yeah, it went into that badass zone, which was, uh, and after that, you could just see it like build and build, where uh, he would just uh, no remorse when he was when Nicola was down, and he'd do a kick every single kick or something made you go, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> every single one he did. Which was like the fact that he he activated that mode, but then he didn't turn it off after a sequence. It's like no, he's still in that mode. <laughs> yeah, that after that after that first punch when he you know just dropped Okada and he went into um, like you said robot mode. Uh, everything he did after that, I just went, oh my god, that looked like pa- that looked painful. Ouch! <laughs> For the rest of the match, that's what I was doing. So it, it was a great match. I will give it that. I just I think. 
as much as I do, I don't want to see Naito lose to Okada again, I, I really didn't want to see Kota win that match just because I don't think he's ready. Uh, yeah, that was my feeling as well. It's it's kind of like Jay White, where the experience of him being in that spot is more valuable than him actually winning and moving on to the next bit. I was I, like, for me, this was they were the perfect results, one hundred percent. And Ibushi arrived in this match. He felt like a main eventer because he's he's been in the like semi main event before against Nakamura. That's not quite the same. Here he was well and truly the main event, and he stepped up to Okada. And as I was saying earlier, that it, at the end with the false finishers, you generally felt like they were on an equal footing, and either one of them could win. Like they kind of did it again, where it's the Okada special speciality, where you're like, oh, Okada's one hundred percent winning this, but then come the final sequences, you don't care. <laughs> you're right in there, it's like, oh right. crap, the guy might win. <laughs> so they did it once again here with Ibushi, and that was that, for me. That's that moment of yes, I'm into this. I have. They've 100% won me over. I am so into this match. I, yeah, it was one of those where I went into it tired. Because, uh, of course, by that point, obviously not as tired as you guys, <laughs> but by that point, I'd been, we'd been watching like four or five hours of wrestling. So it's the same thing as WrestleMania. Like, it's the same critique of by that point, I'm starting to fatigue. But that's the benefit yeah. of slowing it right down. You don't have to be paying full attention for all of it. Because it, they did the same with Naito White after the junior match. They just slowed it down for a bit. In that match, they did a load of character stuff. In this one, they did the slow holds and the slow and gradual build with now and then flashes. But as the match goes on, those flashes become more regular until you reach the ending point where it's nothing, just, just like fast-paced moves and crazy spots and <laughs> things. Uh, I love the way the, the New Japan matches kind of elevate throughout the course of the match. This was such a good example. And of that. that's... And that, yeah, I mean, you're right there too. And it hit my breaking point about the end of that junior match because I, for me to have a, a an attention span of four hours and twenty three minutes, which is what this ran, I, you need to be brilliant about your booking. And that's one thing New Japan does is they've got that cool down in the beginning. So it's like I'm exhausted after watching the uh, junior match. I mean, I'm like, holy crap, it's a match of the year. And then White and Naito come out, and I'm all excited to see that, but I'm just emotionally exhausted because every match is a main event's quality match. So they're able to cool it down and not only cool down the crowd, but they're cooling me down at home too. And then by the time they got to their ending sequence, I was all invested back into it again. And then uh, you know, Kota and Okada come out and do the same thing. They're able to cool me down at home. Um, let me go get a cup of coffee or whatever, and and then by the time I get my coffee and get energized again, they're going full blast. Mm. So it, it for me it, it yeah, I'm exhausted, yes, but four and a half four you know four and a half hours that's a long damn time to be uh, watching wrestling. But they're able to do it in such a way by cooling me down at home and cooling the crowd down, and then building back up to it that I'm able to stick by these. Where a WrestleMania goes four or five hours and i'm out after about the midway point because there's just it's okay it's a good match it's an okay match it's um but it's more entertainment than than not Mm. i guess yeah uh jan do you think this match did the job they was i guess the the big job of this match was to elevate abushi to that main event level with okada and naito do you think this match did that job oh absolutely i think i think you know like i said at at the end of this match you felt like Kota could pull out the victory here. You felt like he'd be a worthy champion, that he was standing toe-to-toe with Okada. Um, he looked better than Okada for you know quite a stretch of the match. And, yeah, I, I think it definitely elevated Ibushi. You know, I, think, I think him 
I think th- this entire last year has been about elevating Ibushi. I think you know w- once he finally signed a contract, he's you know he said that this will be the last wrestling organization he works for. That you know this is going to end his career with New Japan. I think that they've been, you know, he's had those great matches against Naito, where he stood toe to toe with him. You know, barely losing at Dominion. He went through and he lost his first what two or three matches in the G1, and then he just went storming through them. And then you know he beat um, both. Uh, you know, he beat uh, Kenta and I'm trying to think who else he defended it. He defended against. I can't remember who the other defense was, but um, but I mean, yeah, he's just been roaring through. It was against Evil. It was against Evil. That's right. So you know he went roaring through the last eleven opponents that he had in 2019. And then he comes, and then he comes here against Okada, and he's a and he's a force of nature, and, and it takes Okada every single thing he has in his arsenal to finally put him down. So yeah, I, I think that Ibushi is right up there with those th- with those other three guys as being one of the pillars, like Jeff said. And now, you know, the the ace who's been kind of fading to the background for for years, but then he had that rejuvenation at the beginning of last year, is really kind of where he where he should be, which is kind of in the in the second tier. Mm, yeah, yeah, I totally agree as well. This it nailed what it was meant to do for me. Abushi was never meant to win this match. Same with Jay White and his one. They were against number one and two of the modern day, who are going to now like the first bit, the first big show of the Bay White era. They're going to main event it. So it, yeah, it's it's been painted set up perfectly, really for me. Well, just me being selfish, I really wanted Jay White to win. <laughs> I wanted Jay White. I know he's. I know, you know, and I agree with both of you. It's set up perfectly. We got the one and two going against each other. A storyline that's been building for years, and and you know, if it pays off for Naito, then great. He deserves it. But my selfishness, uh, because Jay White is one of my top two or three wrestlers, you know, favorite wrestlers in the world right now. I wanted him to be that first guy. I, even ahead of Okada, I love what Okada does. I love what Naito does. I love what Kota does when he's not, you know, almost dying. Uh, but in all, ultimate reality, I wanted White to win it just because that's my selfishness. I wanted him to be that first ever champ. And, and and you know, to echo a little bit what Jeff was saying, like like I, we talked about this a little bit on Monday too. But to me, if Okada wins tomorrow night. It's it's a wasted opportunity for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Okada's already the greatest NJPW IWGP Heavyweight Champion of all time. He's already got the most title defenses. He's already got the most. Um, he's already got the longest reign with the title. So for him to also be the guy that unified the, the Intercontinental Title and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, to me, it's a bit of overkill. You know, I mean, so I, I think that Naito. Ibushi or White, any of those three winning it means a lot more than Okada doing it. What did they say to out of the last 57 oh, yeah. um, heavyweight title matches, Okada's been in 43 of them? Mm. Something like that? I mean, that's that's mm. insanity. Yeah, he's been, ever since he debuted, he's been dominant, which is <coughs> a New Year's drinking coming back to me now, my voice going. <laughs> but the... <laughs> With, um, honestly, 40, honestly, 43 sounds low to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, because Naito won it, but then I can't remember how long he held it for. Uh, Tanahashi, obviously, with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, obviously. <laughs> A little while. And then Jay White had it for two matches. Yeah, so that... Yeah, yeah, so... yeah Naito, Naito only had one defense. That Naito only had two defenses. He defended it against uh, Ishii and then against Okada. 
So I think didn't Kenny have the longest run in between that? Because he oh, had it, yeah. I want to say, for like six defenses. It was there yeah, all the way from Dominion to Vessel Kingdom, so that's quite a long time for somebody who isn't Okada or Tanahashi. Right, and, and he is had, a Gaijin. Yeah, and he had oh, it. Well. He defended. He defended against Cody. I think twice. He defended against um, uh, Kota in that triple threat. He defended against Tanahashi, and I want to say there was somebody else. Didn't he defend against Naito during that too? Uh, Ishii during that run it was Ishii. Okay. Oh, Ishii. Yeah. oh of Speaking of yeah, G one yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it outside of Kenny, it doesn't make sense that he's had it because really nobody else. I mean, Tanahashi has won it a couple of times during that stretch, but he also loses it within two matches. Okada's just really the only guy that's held on to it, but that's still amazing that he's had that many that many title defenses um, out of you know that he's been involved in that many of the fifty-seven matches. It's just impressive. Hmm. And yeah. I love the opposite stories of Okada had success from almost day one, whilst Naito's had to really fight and claw for it. It's been so gradual over the same time period as well. And yeah. it's I like that. It's kind of this symmetry that they like to do in New Japan. Gedo likes his poetry. <laughs> Just like things nicely wrapping up. It's like, oh, isn't that nice? That kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> so speaking of nice thing, I want to get my voice back. It'd be quite nice. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Especially for this next match, so we might as well move on to it. The IWGP. Oh, actually, no. Just, I just realised might as well talk about tomorrow. So tomorrow it is Kazuchika uh, Okada versus Tetsuya Naito in the main event. They set that up after the main event match with Naito walking out and reminding Okada of his words after Wrestle Kingdom last year. And Naito going, "Well, it looks like we're here again." And the crowd go, "Yay!" <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, and also. We've got Jay White versus Kota Ibushi in the losers match as well. I've got no idea what happened in that one, putting for Ibushi in the main event. But the match, which I might go down as a lot, I wouldn't be surprised if, even though I, I, for me, it's uh, Okada and Ibushi, they put on like the New Japan main event. This is why we give them all the stars. <laughs> Essentially, it was that main event. But I would not be surprised if Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi is a lot of people's match of the night. That was. It was phenomenal. <laughs> Not to steal the uh, Styles name, but it was. I'm with you. I, I'm, with, I'm, my... with, I'm, I'm with you, Imp. The the main event is is my match of the year so far. See, and and <laughs> for me that that head junior heavyweight match was. Mm. I, that... I I felt like that delivered the same drama um, with a lot more athleticism, um, and a little bit better storytelling. I. Even though I love where a boot. Uh, you better Kota be Ibushi. very very careful, sir, when you're saying somebody's more athletic than Kota Ibushi. You just watched uh, Hiromo Takahashi and Will Ospreay in the ring. You're going to tell me that they're not? <laughs> yes. Um, but outside of uh, you know, Kota going beast mode, which is probably the shining moment of that match, I really felt like the junior junior match shown on every other level. It was for me. It was the moment when they did the uh, Sasuke special spot, which was just like jaw dropping. Like holy crap! <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. that was awesome. Yeah, uh, just uh, Will Ospreay going for the Sasuke special. Uh, Will Os- uh, uh, dodging, catching him, throwing him into a German onto the ramp. But then Will Ospreay lands on his feet, who then runs at Hiramu, but who catches him in the belly to belly. But when he launches him, he dives through the ropes and goes straight for another Sasuke special. <laughs> Such an awesome yeah, I- spot. That and I thought that ending sequence was really well done with uh, him kicking it with Osprey kicking out of the time bomb and then uh, Takahashi r- revealing his new finishing move. 
Uh, See, and I thought that was, and I thought that was overkill. I thought the time bomb should have finished it. Well, I mean, considering, I mean, they, I mean, they could reveal the new move later on down the road, but I mean, it's this comeback match. It's the match everybody's used to from him. The time bomb should have ended it. Considering he um, kicked out of the Ozcutter, I was okay with it. The Ozcutter gets kicked out of all the time these days, though. I know. So does uh, anytime anyone does a cutter anymore, unless your name is Randy Orton. Um, but it. I, I was okay with it just because we already had that finisher kick out. Yeah, but he's he's been he's been using the Stormbreaker for for finisher for the last year and a half. That hidden blade, though that 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 move when he hit Takahashi and you could just hear it echo off the top of his head. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Osprey says that move is is a hundred percent safe. It's just one of those. Um, I can't remember what he called it, uh, but one of those moves where it uh, looks a lot worse than it really is. But man, that looked painful. The way Takahashi's head snapped back, and to hear that echo off of it, yeah, mm. that actually should, in my opinion, that actually, that actually should be a finisher for him. I think so too. It looks more devastating than Stormbreaker does. <laughs> okay, Stormbreaker fits with his the Will Osprey Flash, I guess I'll call it, because he is uh, with the high athleticism mixed in with his strength. It's kind of the perfect move blending those two. In terms of the like match ender, like because of course it, the uh, I guess added gravitas was Wrestle Kingdom last year because it kept bringing it up in this one. Where he hit Ibushi with Eden Blade, and that was the end of Ibushi. Like he was done after that, and he hit the Stormbreaker to end the match. But the Hidden Blade, he was already gone. He was already done. So that move has got that history where it has ended matches. Even though right. he's not, he may not have gone for the pin immediately after, but you can tell the match was already done. He'd already won it. So it's got that to it. So well, well, it, it, well, yeah, well he, actually, he actually he actually beat Takahashi with it like uh, two years ago. All right. Okay. At Don Taku, so ah, yeah, I like um, yeah. So I like because it's one of the things where in New Japan quite often wrestlers will start kicking out of wrestlers' finishes sometimes. Uh, like with Naito, it's the running Destino that never gets a pin. With Okada, they just start. It's not a Destino. <laughs> running Destino. I just my wife up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel fine because I'm capitalizing running as well. It's part of the name. <laughs> 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 so, uh, <laughs> so he hits that, um, and they always kick out. With uh, Okada, they just straight up started kicking out of the Rainmaker, so he had to do other things. Like, first he added the Tombstone beforehand, that seemed to work for ages. Then they started kicking out of that, so he added the Spinning Rainmaker. So, you get evolutions on top of stuff. Even with Ibushi as well, like the Phoenix Splash, that used to be enough. Not anymore. He has to add so much more stuff to it to be repertoire. And... It feels like with Hiromu, they could have been doing that. Like Even with Osprey as well, everyone started kicking out of the Ozcutter. And now and then you pull out the Super Ozcutter, but that's that's also one that gets kicked out of now and again, especially with like Shingo Takagi. So, yeah, the hit, he's got so much stuff. He's kind of like, do you have to hit them all in sequence or what <laughs> kind of thing to really knacker them down? But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement that because uh, Hiromu had already kicked out that when with Osprey... Well, for me, I didn't even see it because it was like, it's a fast ending sequence. It was awesome to watch. Hiromu's lifted him on his shoulders and then the doorbell goes for a delivery. And I'm like, now? <laughs> In the final sequence? <laughs> so right. I missed him hitting the move. And the next thing I'm seeing is Hiromu hitting him, lifting him for the next thing. So I was going by the commentators as to what happened. But yeah, I, I reckon I would have been fine with it had I seen it. <laughs> Just the, yeah, yeah it, Damn. it was, it fit Damn. the flow of the match. Damn it, Jeff! He just reminded us of a match we forgot about when we were talking about matches of the year: Tagagi versus Osprey. Oh yeah, that that was. uh... There was there was so many great Osprey matches, though it was hard to 
to remember them all. Oh, I mean, yeah. he it, literally, it, he is, he, it's, I mean, I know we agreed that, uh, you know, Sammy Callahan character wise. And, and when you put the whole picture together, Sammy Callahan's our wrestler of the year, but in ring performer, there was nobody better than Osprey this year. And he, every every time out, he put on a classic. So it's it's easy to forget one or two in there. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, I think it's. I'm trying to think which to explain it. He had so many great matches, especially in tournaments as well. Like best of Super Juniors, he uh, like every single time was four. I guess he's doing it star wise, like four and a half and above every single match. Didn't matter who he was wrestling, and it is in the same in the G1 climax as well. So I wouldn't be surprised well, if you forget a couple of his matches. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I mean the the G one he lost the majority of his matches during the G one, but they were all still really well done. They were all still you know four star matches, even though he ended up losing them. He he still put on such great performances that even in losing efforts, it's hard to pick. It's honestly it's hard for me to pick my favorite Will Osprey match of last year. He was just so good in every single one. Um, I do wish he had won this this match. I, I'm okay with Hiromu winning it, um, simply because Hiromu never, first of all, lost the belt. Um, I think these are the top two juniors in the world. Even with that extended absence, Hiromu showed in this match that he is still one. Probably, it's probably him and Osprey one and one A. And I know when I know Shane hates when I do that because you're an idiot, but for doing it, that's not how you count. But they're both. They, it's you can make an argument for either one of them as being the best junior in the world, and I know that uh, Hiromo's only had what two matches since he's been back, but this match proves that he's still on that same level. See, and and that's the thing that I was going to ask you guys is is because I don't have the same feeling about Hiromo anymore like I did two years ago, and that, and that's not his fault necessarily. I mean, he got injured and he was on such a streak, but I mean, you know, that first year he came in, he just came in like gangbusters, and then they. And then they decided to cool him off for some unknown reason. And then the next year they built him up with the G, with the uh, best of the Super Juniors. And again, he was red hot beating Osprey. You know, here, I don't know if it's because of the cool down and then the, and then the injury, or if it's just because of the injury and we haven't seen him in such a long time. But I did not. I don't have the same excitement about Hiromu that I had. Well, I guess now three years ago, actually. I think for me, the reason I still have uh, that excitement is because when he left us, he was just a high flyer. Now that he's back in this match against Osprey, he wrestled more of an Osprey type match where he he really worked in a lot of strikes and a lot of power moves that weren't a big part of his his game before. So he he's kind of in my mind, he's kind of on that same level as Osprey is and you can't call one the best in the world but and then have a guy on his same level and say, "Oh yeah, he's not." Yeah, for for me when Hiromu got uh, taken out with the injury, he was set to be the ace of the junior division. They really really built him up and it happened at like the worst time and uh, instead it went to Will Osprey. And for me it's that thing of uh, the rising tide lifts all ships. And Will Ospreay is really elevated, pardon the pun, the junior division. Like They are at such a high... And it's part of the promotion as well. Will Ospreay saying he's not the same person that Hiromu faced like two or three years ago. He has really, really elevated himself and the entire junior division. So it's of such a hot status. Like Especially after Best of Super Juniors, his match versus Shingo Takagi was being talked about as a possible Wrestle Kingdom main event match. Like That takes some doing to do that with a junior division. So he'd really lifted the entire thing. Uh, then Hiromu comes back, and to get to that, and with the entire, uh, of all those ships lifted, 
Hiramu's come into a junior division which is so much of a higher standard than it was when he left. And again, we're talking about Hiramu and Dragon Lee main eventing when he left. It was already pretty damn high <laughs> when Osprey has lifted it to such an incredible level. Uh, for like the way I worded it in my in the column when I was uh, talking about it was. Uh, look at, he's got to swim up an already risen tide. Luckily, he does not care about his well-being at all. <laughs> he's absolutely crazy. <laughs> so he'll totally take it to Will Ospreay and just go absolutely mental with the spots, which they obviously did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've always been a massive fan of Hiromu, uh, but even before he joined LIJ, when he was in... Uh, I can't remember where he went on excursion. See him on L. Of course, he was facing Dragon Lee. Um, when I was Ring of Honor showcased him and Dragon Lee in one match, and I was like, holy crap, these guys are amazing. Then I saw him in New Japan do the same kind of amazing match. And right. that's where I, I kind of gravitated towards him ever since. And then he joined LIJ. Uh, I learned about the history in him and Naito. It all made sense. And he, his quirkiness as well. I love the quirkiness, the whole stuff. with. The... I, I'm really sad the cat didn't come out. <laughs> I was expecting a giant devil. Yeah, <laughs> I, was I, I wanted I wanted him to come out carrying the cat. And you he and did. cats lately, dude. Seriously, well, I've been I've been a fan of Hiromu's cat for three years now. <laughs> we didn't get the cat. I know it got destroyed a couple years ago, but he's been gone for a year. He could have bought a new cat. <laughs> we bought a lady cat for Devil. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's done that. Right. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, so he's yeah. I'm a massive fan of Hiromu. I love the quirkiness. Uh, I love how this one referenced the previous build to his match with Will Ospreay, where he was constantly calling Will Ospreay a cat, and Will was like, "I'm not a cat." I was like, "No, you're definitely a cat." I was like, I'm not a cat. <laughs> I just love that and then build he, for it. Did you notice the payoff though on that when he came out with his lion gear? Oh, of course. Oh yeah, Will Ospreay. Yeah, he had the uh, lion head on his arm. Yeah, he came out with the. It, that was the payoff to that whole gimmick, and and I loved how Kevin Kelly kind of referenced that he's uh, he's now a feline. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wasn't, was, wasn't wasn't sure if it was he has slain the cat after, and he's now something greater than that, or if it was like yeah, it was like truly it, part of him. It, it, I just I thought that was a great payoff to that whole that whole feud where he kept being called the cat, <laughs> um, but. Another thing about Takahashi that I really liked was just the emotion he had. I've never seen that much emotion out of him in a match. What? He's always emotional. Not like not like he was in this. It was I mean he's emotional but has he ever gone through that many facial expressions? I don't know. That's that's a good question. I I don't know. I just I just I just feel like I just don't feel like I have the same feeling about him that I that I did and and I, and that's and that's a given. He was gone for so long that it's hard to it, it's hard to to just immediately jump back into their arms. Um, but which is one reason which is one reason why I agree with you that I think Osprey should have won this match because it, it's similar to what we talked about on Monday about uh, Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. It's like you know Rhea's had like this you know like this this there's been no obstacles in her path whatsoever, and you know there's been no storyline involving her. She just beats people. And, and, you know, I, I realized that's not the case with Hiromu. He's had this, this terrible injury, and he was out for, for a long time, but I still think he could have used some more buildup before getting the championship. My, my biggest problem with it was the fact that they went with the same rightful owner because he never lost the title storyline that they did in the match right before that with John Moxley. You know, they, they ran with that whole, okay, John's the rightful champion because he never technically lost the belt. They kind of did the same thing with Hiromu. And I think that might be, I, I think 
neither one of them, first of all, should have had that storyline. But secondly, Hiromu coming back from injury, walking into an elevated division against a guy who is not the same guy that he beat before. Having a you know a three or four match feud with him would have done wonders for both of them and would have made his win that much better. That's yeah. not uh, in New Japan. They like Ibushi and Naito. We saw them better like loads and loads this year. That is extremely rare in New Japan. <laughs> so if well, we were talking, it, more, it, we might be talking that ta- over the course of years. <laughs> they can well, do the that's same what, thing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like if they're going to do it, they need to do it like they did with the um, Kenny and, o- and Okada feud oh, where okay. it's it's a three match feud, but it takes a year and a half to culminate hmm. because that, that challenger guy has to lift himself up to that level uh, yep. and actually get there. Uh, he'll be you, can't struck- do that. you can't do that in three straight matches. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it was the right decision to like have him lose on the build up to the shows, uh, not even to Will Ospreay as well. Like the, his partner was beating him with uh, Bobby Eagles. So they, it was kind of like, Oh, he's not hundred percent ready. And Will Ospreay was going to the match. So confident. Just like, yeah, he's not ready. So they were like painting that story as well. But yeah, I totally, I do understand how it may not have sung that greatly because we've not really gone back into his graces yet and it is an elevated division. So Hiramu, we haven't seen him rise to it. We've just seen him struggle and shake off the rust and now he's immediately on that level with Osprey. He was always crazy enough to be able to do it. But instead of like the, we used to the slow, gradual New Japan arc. This is kind of like a, let's, let's, just, let's immediately lift Hiramu into that, I guess, severe with Will Osprey. Like, it's obviously not a deal breaker. We all absolutely love the match, <laughs> right? Yes, with it being Jeff's like match of the night as well. But like, if we are kind of nitpicking, uh, we are used to that kind of style where it's a little bit slower in Japan to lift them up and build them back in. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do next. Like maybe for in my head, I'm like, well, I wonder if there was a reason for that. They've gone to Hiramu and something else is coming next. Uh, New Year Dash on Monday might give us an example onto that next thing. Uh, could Dragon Lee be more permanent as well if he's teaming with Hiramu at Wrestle Kingdom, or is that just a one-off? There's... I also have an issue with that, but that you know, the guy just put you on the shelf for almost two years, and you're going to team with him. Uh, it's always similar to uh, the other team with Liger and oh, I've got his name, Sasa. Sano. Thank you. Sano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... But there was a little, there was a little bit of uh, uh, you know a time in between those two. <laughs> You know, and they've they've had time to repair their differences. I mean, Dragon Lee just literally put his last, you know, Takahashi's last match was basically against Dragon Lee. And now all of a sudden they're friends and teaming. I could see this being the start of something, like you said, where them teaming together maybe melts down. And Dragon Lee becomes more of a permanent part. But I just don't, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it right now. Well, no one said, no one said they were friends with the the way that they've, that they've couched the matches Rivals teaming against rivals teaming. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I still don't like it. <laughs> I'm fine with I'm it. I'm fine with it. Oh, as I hear me echo in the room. Anyway, so uh, what are we talk about next? Oh, yeah, so I got, had a message on Spreaker. Oh, that's why I'm clicking all over the place. Let's <laughs> just check the messages elsewhere. So, uh, message on Spreaker from Mario Ralsetti. Realize I've never said your name out loud. <laughs> so, Ralsetti, <laughs> Rusetti. <laughs> I'll just go with Mario. That'll do. Uh, so, is there a reasoning as to why we, us guys listen to the English commentary over the Japanese? Is it merely because we don't understand the, understand the language? Uh, for me, I well, when I started watching... There was no English commentary, so I did for quite a few years listen to the Japanese version because that's all there was. 
And when the English came along, I would always listen to that one because it was spavodic to start with. Like the odd show or maybe one or two shows a year. Like that's spavodic. Uh, or spavadic. I can't say words anymore. <laughs> so there was... <laughs> so there, I... Um, yeah, so I've kind of... I've slowly moved from Japanese to English, but it is, in terms of following the story, uh, I just really liked the job Kevin Kelly was doing. And like if I... Like with um, when they tried Lanny Poffo out, that was just okay. like a no for me. <laughs> like if Lanny Poffo did become permanent, I would go back to Japanese. It's more like a preference of commentator as well. Like I... Do like Japanese commentary? Uh, I just don't. Yeah, I can't. It's much better to get the wider story. I, I feel, and Kevin Kelly does an amazing job of that as well. And uh, get, uh, Gino is also fantastic at it. Chris Charlton with the background. I really like the team, so that really doesn't hurt either. Uh, it's it's not a deal breaker that I don't understand Japanese, but it helps that I do understand English. Uh, Watching the Japanese commentary, because um, like you said, for a long time, the, it, there wasn't any English commentary. So watching the Japanese commentary actually helped me understand Japanese a little more. Um, and I felt like it gave a little bit of a... Um, I, I don't I don't can't think of the word, but I, I'm more... It's not... Be, I'm with you there, too. It's not because I don't understand the language that I don't. Sometimes I... Especially um, when I'm watching some other wrestling promotions, I shut the you know the volume off because they're so bad. But it, um, you're right. It's such a it's such a better way to build the story, and Kevin Kelly does such a great job at it. And Matt Stryker did a great job at it before him. So I think that's probably why I listen to the English commentary more than Japanese. Not so much the language, but because of the storytelling <coughs> and how good they are at it. For, for, well, yeah, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero and Kevin Kelly and Don Callis before them are both great commentary teams. Um, get Gino Gambino is you know okay, but you know I, I get annoyed by him sometimes. The Japanese commentary, yeah, pr- part of it for me is I don't understand Japanese. Another part of it is that um, when they're conversing, um, you know, I don't know if it's just this one guy's style or if it's just how it is when you're we you know between Japanese speakers. But I find a lot of the times like one guy will say something, the other guy will be a hi. Hi, hi, and it's like, and it's like, you know, I realize in Japanese, hi means yes, but here in the United States and in England, it means hello. So I feel like somebody is, is greeting me every ten seconds when I'm watching the Japanese program, and it gets really distracting for me. I don't mind it. Yeah, <laughs> for me, that's just part, <laughs> part of the respect. <laughs> However, not forgetting, I do live in Europe. <laughs> so much, <laughs> so much different languages uh, that could put upon us. Uh, it, I was about to jump into politics, but I'll leave it. <laughs> so the uh, again, so I've gone through the question. So the next thing to talk about is we've kind of jumped on it a little bit, but Lance Archer versus John Moxley, the uh, IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match, De- Texas Death Match, win either by countout or submission. And uh, in my prediction, I predicted a five-minute claw. I predicted blood. I predicted Moxley to win uh, because of the match with Juice Robinson uh, on the next night. It was just calling especially after the accidental story that had happened because of the typhoon. This was set to really end months ago with that match, but because of fate, I guess, uh, it's been pushed back to Wrestle Kingdom, and he got a story for Moxley to kind of put over Juice Robinson tomorrow. But to do that, he has to be champion. So that's why I kind of felt I'd be going in this manner. Uh, Lance Archer, this is his reward for the year he's had. The amazing G1 performance. Uh, ever since Davey Boy left 
uh, for American Shores. Lance Archer has done really well. <laughs> he's such a name for himself. Uh, Everybody Dies has be- really become his moniker. Uh, he's really ran home with it, and him winning the title was extremely deserved. And this is kind of his reward. It, for me, he was never going to win. But being on this stage against John Boxley as well, uh, who's obviously in the West, uh, such a big name and star, that it obviously it's a massive uh, opportunity for Lance Archer. So it's great for him to have that. Uh, and uh, with John Boxley as well, that for me the match was, I guess, fine. But I, for me, just to be honest as well, this is when people in my house started getting up. It's like 9, at nine ten a.m. at this point. Suddenly they're coming in, saying hello, offering me things. <laughs> like, do, you want, oh, do you want any food? Do you want some tea? It's Britain. We get offered tea like every 10, 5, 10 minutes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, do you, would you like a cup of tea or something? But that means I'm not paying attention to the match. So I missed a lot of the build and I caught like the final part of it where it already kicked up. So I can't comment on... If it was extremely slow to start with, or if they did the Moxley thing of like hot start followed by slightly slower bit afterwards followed by hot ending, I'm not. In, it was so a, I can't really it was a it was a typical Moxley match. Okay, so typical Moxley yeah. assuming in New Japan, so they didn't do anything crazy, but you got your big table spot to end with. You got your chairs galore. <laughs> Two of them whacking the, each other over the head with stuff. The long claw spot. <laughs> I was expecting as well. The you did get the you did get a couple long claw spots. You got a chair spot. You got um, that big table spot to end the match, and you got them whacking each other over the head with a kendo stick throughout the majority of it. And a garbage can lid. Oh yeah, and the garbage can lid oh. too. So yeah, oh, yeah, it was it was a it was a typical John Moxley match. Um, the one thing that I there are two spots in it that I really liked, and both of them came from Archer. We are, I already talked about him using a young lion as a weapon. I thought that was great, and then when he did that plancha and um, took out all of the young lions and Moxley, I thought both those spots were were really well done. Yeah, those are both amazing. Um, I understand what you're saying about as far as the storyline. And I really thought the wrong guy won the match, though. I, did, know, I, I do, too. I, 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 thought, I think Archer needed to win this match. You know, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's important for his progression in New Japan. Um, and I think he can be like a, like a top American star in New Japan. But I think he, in order to do that, he needed the victory here, not just, not just a, a, you know, a, a close loss to Moxley. And I, and I thought it was ridiculous that, he, that Moxley is getting choked out with a plastic bag over his mouth, and yet he's able to... to somehow come back from that and and not have that arm drop three times. I thought that was the perfect way for them to end the match right there. Um, if they were going to have Archer lose, then the way they did it was perfect, but I really would have preferred Archer to win. And I and I do think the match was good, but it's not it's not it was not the level I expected it to be, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think I built it in my head to it was going to be a bit more bloody. And I'll be honest, though, it was stuff outside of New Japan that probably painted that a little bit. <laughs> Just we've seen Moxley become so violent elsewhere. <coughs> I was expecting a little bit, but really, this is in tow with how Moxley has been in New Japan. It's more of like a brawl violence rather than you know crazy chaotic CZW something. <laughs> it's not quite that level. But I, yeah, I, I from what I saw, I enjoyed it. But of course, I miss a lot of the build throughout of it. Uh, in terms of the winner for me, Moxley was always the right person. Uh, purely because his role in New Japan to me has always been to build up Juice specifically. So, uh, and this feels like the opportunity to do that, to kind of revert back to what the panel originally was. And in my head, I'm picturing the US kind of show for New Japan next year, where they're going to do those shows and build them up. And I'm picturing, if they hold off of Lance Archer, Juice Robinson, I'm kind of looking at that being like a headline kind of match for that promotion in the early days. 
just to get it off the bed. And Juice Robinson is such a hot promo that it can easily be like the US champion at that time and do a relatively strong job of it. And Lance Archer as his opponent, yeah, you should, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to draw pretty well. <laughs> like both of those guys I, are I think, quite a lot of momentum at the moment. I think they could have done that with Archer as the champion. Right now, what I'm looking at is we're going to leave tomorrow night with two dual champions. Yeah, juicy two belts. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I think that um, if they're going to go through all this buildup of having the top two belts combined, having a second dual champion on the same show is really, really going to hurt the overall arc of it. Uh, of what well, the IC one's interesting because there's a very strong chance Naito just drops it in the bin. <laughs> with the history yeah. of it there's always that chance oh he just drops it to the side or says I'll let my LAJ mates uh, squabble over it or something to elevate them but I've said squabble but he'll say something nicer <laughs> so, but because of his history with the title I wouldn't be surprised if he vacates it in some form or fashion but uh, yeah Juicy 2 belts might be around for a little while <laughs> so uh, and oh, I'm, trying, I'm transferring a little bit over to the tag team match a bit but um I was saying in the build to it of Juice Robinson and his fashion is a little bit interesting. And I was picturing in my head, just imagine the fashion of Juice with two belts. What could he come up with with that? What could he possibly do? And then he came out as a stripper cop person. <laughs> I, was, I was not expecting that. <laughs> that was not on my list. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, uh, he... <laughs> I, I'm glad that somebody else agrees with my. Uh, yeah, my, I got a last year. I was really on juice about how just much how much I hated him, but it was a gimmick I hated. In ring, the guy's a hell of a performer, but his gimmick has got to go. This flamboyant Juice Robinson thing, and and you know, one week he's dressed up like Tyler Breeze, and next week he thinks he's Shawn Michaels, and then he's God only knows what a stripper cop. You said so. Um, Which would also I, be Tyler just, Breeze. With, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like, I, I just wish he would form his own identity and get away from this flamboyant thing. I think he has such a great in-ring style, and I think he's he's fun, but going with the flamboyant and the all of that over-the-top stuff, it, it's still annoying, and it's got to go. I, I I like the way he was playing with the young lions. I like the way that he, you know, his attitude in the ring and the way he looked like he was having fun. I just don't think he needs to be flamboyant to have fun. Uh, what's your view, Jen, on Juice? I've always been a big fan of Juice, and uh, you know, I, I I do like the flamboyant stuff. I I don't care that it's Shawn Michaels two point or whatever. You know, I do, I don't care that he's like stripper cop. Stripper, you know, I don't care that he's stripper cub. I don't care that he like wears the Macho Man sunglasses sometimes. I mean, you know, I, it it really doesn't matter to me. To me, it's more like homage stuff or, you know, um, I don't know, dress up stuff than than anything else. I mean, it's, it's not. I don't have any kind of problem with it whatsoever. I, I enjoy his work in the ring, and that's always been the most important thing to me. I think he's got great charisma. I think he's a fantastic in ring performer. But I really, but if we're going to talk about the tag match, I really want to talk about his partner um, because. On Monday, you know, Jeff said, you know, that he's he's really glad to see uh, that David Finley's back, and he, he thinks he's he's deserves more than what he's gotten in New Japan. And I kind of downplayed that a bit, and and like, but I think that he's I think he's like slimmed down. I think he, you know since since his injury, I think he's a better performer now since his injury, or maybe just needed to be seasoned a bit because he's only a couple of years shy of being a, lo- a young lion. 
Um, but in this match, you know, I, I I often have said on this show, in my columns, whatever, about how 2009's SummerSlam match, when it was Legacy taking on DX, should have been the mo- should have been the match that made Cody Rhodes a star. Um, to me, this was the kind of ma- that kind of match for David Finley. Yeah, he wasn't against the kind the high level performers like Shawn Michaels and Triple H are, but this was a this was a star making performance for David Finley of New Japan runs with it. You know, he was in there, he was fighting off both guys, he was surviving all their finishers, um, he kept fighting back even when Juice wasn't able to help him. Um, I thought this match really was a great showcase for David Finley, and I'd love to see him in that mix for the U.S. title down the road or for the for the Never title. To start building him up because he's still a young guy, and I think he, I think he could also, he, he and Juice both have the opportunity to be at least mid-level range stars for this promotion. To piggyback off of that, it's not him just fighting off two guys; it's him fighting off two guys that they're calling the greatest tag team in NJPW. You know, this wasn't just him having this kind of performance against just any other tag team or, you know, or against Red Dragon you know, or, or Young Bucks or something like that. It was him against G.O.D., who they have been touting since they won the titles last year as being the best in NJPW. So it, it really, truly was a star-making performance for Finley, and it was long overdue. Yeah, I, I thought they did it really well as well with uh, the fight at the start and it backfiring on Juice on, on Finn Juice and uh, Robinson took that bump on the ramp. <laughs> Just immediately everyone like, oh no, you've got a match with Moxley tomorrow. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> and but that meant that Finley had to step up. It's actually quite a smart way to kind of reserve Juice a little bit where he just gets beaten up the entire match and it's up to Finley to step up and do all the crazy stuff. Uh, and of course, the final sequences were amazing as well because that story was that Juice was just getting beaten down and down and it was Finley constantly having to be that force driving the team in the match. Uh, it, he was forced to step up and the fact he won as well at the end, it's just like, yeah, they did that so well. I, I'm interested to see where he fits in like long term. But currently, being like friends with Juice and uh, this match really elevated him. And as a team, you got to see them work really well as well. Because again, as I was just saying, the GOD been put over as the best team in the world by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like as every promotion does with their tag champions, as most promotions <laughs> do with their tag champions. Like so, it was a force to be reckoned with, and they had to step up, and they did. Which was uh, great to see. And of course it gives Juice, even though he got beaten up all night, it gives Juice momentum going into his match with Moxley because he actually won the match. And David Finley feels all the more kind of relevant and has his place against uh, alongside Juice because he was the one who kept them in that match and ultimately won it for them. Uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just a massive fan of it because I was worrying I'd be... Because there's a history of me finding G.O.D. matches or just tag team matches on the Wrestle Kingdom card, like, fine. Like, as much as I love Anderson and Gallows, they very rarely went above fine for me. Same with Kid of Elite Squad. They, it wasn't until, like, their le- last run where I started to actually really dig them. There was just a run of, yeah, they weren't bad matches. They were just fine. And I was feeling this right. in the same category. But it wasn't. The story, I absolutely loved it. The story and what it did as well, long term as well. Uh, just a massive fan of it. And, yeah. you know, you know Jeff, Jeff and I have said for years that... New Japan should not have two tag divisions. They should have. They should combine them into one tag division, mainly because of that reason. Like there's always mm. there only seems to be like two teams in each division. The matches usually end up just being fine, except for in the cruiserweight division or the junior heavyweight division. So, what do you think about that idea about just having one tag division? 
in my, I thought they were kind of toying with it with the Young Bucks at one point, where they had the Young Bucks going into matches. It might have been against the Briscoes if they were champion. I'm trying to remember. And yep, it was. Yep. Yeah, so they uh, they have teased the idea, and maybe the Japanese audience didn't take to it. But I was always a fan of maybe converging them, especially as at that time you could see the writing on the wall that there weren't that many tag teams being introduced or built up at the time. I think like we've had a few, but they've been mostly junior, like Rapungi 3K or ELP and Ishimori. We've not had that many new heavyweight ones. So when Finjuice came around, it felt refreshing. Like we've had we had Killer Elite Squad, Anderson and Gallows, uh, G.O.D. after them, like. We've had such, and even on Sanada, like we've had the same rotation of guys for so long that Finn Juice is just like, oh, someone new. <laughs> like, yes, it's so refreshing. Or, like, even one... Ten Cozy had to win at one point because <laughs> they were so kind of low <laughs> in numbers. Like, one we, thing that says something, really. One yeah. thing that kind of gets over, and we didn't even really talk about it here, but one part that I really liked about them getting. Um, David Finley over was the fact that they held off on all of Juice's flashy moves. Mm. How many times? How many times did they tease the left hand of God, and it didn't get hit until Jado got knocked out? Mm. You know, they they really held off on all of the crowd popping moves that Juice normally does, and just let the spotlight be on David the whole the whole match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and a shout out to Tanga Lower who took the. Um... Robinson special. Is that what it's called? His finisher? I can't remember what it's called. The acid drop. The acid drop, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he uh, he took the acid drop like Kane with both knees. No bump for me, thank you. <laughs> just yep. the same as possible. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the acid drop. What is it? It's. Um... Oh, Pulp Friction. That's it. Yeah, Pulp Friction. Yeah. yeah, so he hit Pulp Friction and Tangelo was just on both knees like Kane. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just... oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah his, his selling of that move was pretty awful. <laughs> he, he consistently gets a laugh out on me at Vessel Kingdom, Tangaloa, <laughs> and he, he, he gets a laugh. Point. <laughs> he gets a laugh out of me at, at at every event he's in. There's at least something he does where I'm just like, oh, that's why you're not a main eventer. <laughs> well, I, get, I get a little chuckle every time they mention his finishing the new name of his finishing move. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his move's actually called ape, ape shit, so they can't not swear <laughs> when they mention yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, uh, Gino, who was perfectly open just to drop in swearing bombs all over the place. <laughs> that was kind of new to New Japan's product to have it so nonchalantly there. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't, maybe some notes from AEW who are also perfectly fine to do it. So it's in the wider wrestling world, we're hearing more swearing. And as a Britishman, I can support that. So <laughs> just waiting, <laughs> waiting for YouTube to support that so I can do it openly. <laughs> so, I just, yeah. I, I like the fact that. Um, I, I, when Don Callis was so afraid to say it last year, I kind of wish that there was still somebody around that was still afraid to say it, but you're right, Gino's just okay. He's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> just lets it fly. Right, so, do you want to talk about uh, the any of the other multi-man tag matches that opened the show? Christ, no. The <laughs> only thing, The only thing I have to say about any of those matches is that it's weird that some of the mainstays from Wrestle Kingdom, this is the only place we're going to see them. Like Ishii. Like, we're not going to yeah. see Ishii in a, in a singles match. We're not going to see Evil at all outside of that tag match. You know, Bushi is another one that, you know, he's had, he's been in junior heavyweight matches the last couple of years and, and he's not you know, in the tag matches and he's not going to be on the main roster. So, and uh, Minoru Suzuki. Thank so God. 
Wait, what? I'm lost. I was assuming that was for Bushi. <laughs> no, it was for, no, it was for, it was for Suzuki. I, oh, for Suzuki. I cannot stand Suzuki. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, and then, of course, you know, on, on the, the other side, well, you already said Ishii, but it was nice being able to see these guys that we're not going to be able to see because they just aren't in any built-up matches. Yeah, and it's better than what they did last year where they just had them on that never six-man tag thing on the pre-show, and that was it. That was their spot. I much preferred yeah. this. It's the normal New Japan uh, style of card as well, so it's what I'm used to, so it doesn't feel too out of question. I don't know what it's like for like any American fans who tuned in having not seen New Japan really, or like you tried to get into it and it's Wrestle Kingdom, so yeah, I'll give it a go. People seem excited. If you're one of those fans, I don't know how this would have felt to you. I've seen the criticism of way too many tag matches, but I'm just used to that card format, so for me, it's like, yeah, it's perfect design. It's yeah, just the way. Well, that, that's the, the thing, though. I mean, you're used to that card format, but you're not used to that card format for Wrestle Kingdom. That's the problem. You know, that that's the yeah. issue. Is that is like you know all the other like you said like last year they had that six man, uh, never tag um, gauntlet. That gauntlet. gauntlet. You know, the two years before that they had the Honor Rubble. You know, this year it's you know this year for them just to have the three eight man tags. It felt very odd for a Wrestle Kingdom show. Not for a standard New Japan show, but it's not. But it's, it doesn't t- tend to happen on Dominion or on Wrestle Kingdom. But for I, I'm with Imp though. It, it felt I felt okay with it because it just seemed it made it feel more like the, the format they use in every other big show that they have outside of, of course Dominion and um, Wrestle Kingdom usually. But you know all the Road Two shows, Don Taco, the you know everything they do always has those first three or four matches as being eight man tags. But it, yeah, but it, it made it feel more like those shows. But then it means it also made it feel less special. It made it feel like, less like Wrestle Kingdom. I think two nights and fifteen hours is making it feel less special. Fifteen hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomorrow will never end. <laughs> yeah. um, a couple of shout outs for the Chaos versus Bullet Club match. Uh, I did enjoy Gino and commentary in this one, especially as when his team lost, he was just no. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Also, a shout-out to... Um, it was at, right at the start of the match. Uh, first, it was Kenta. When his name was announced, he was just staring at Goto with no emotion, just, like, staring yeah. holes through him. I thought that was ama- just an amazing way to set up their match tomorrow. Uh, I'm ready for that Shibata pop. <laughs> I embraced. <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> when he runs out. Ew, I'd like it to be post-match because I predicted Kenta to win. So, for my predictions and my points there uh, versus keeping it strong to our podcast, I would like to win. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm ready for that pop. Uh uh, the other shout-out was, again, right at the start of the match, uh, they'd chosen the competitors who was going to be in the match, and Yano was turned to his team going, I've got this, guys. Yeah, I'll start for the yeah. team. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Bell rings, turns around. Ah! <laughs> this is <Bell> Valley. <laughs> just, the See, fear on his face was amazing. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the comedy matches, but I think lately, especially since he's been back with, um, uh, uh, is it Tobe McCabe? That he's back with who's oh, his with Maccabee, yeah, yeah. yeah it, that he's gotten now to where his comedy fits into the matches well and doesn't distract from him. And I and I you're right. I thought that was that was just fun. That that whole part. And then he's running into Fale and then he you know tries to take the the pad off and then turns around and Fale is right there. It, it, he he did that spot so well that I didn't have a problem with the comedy. And the other part that I liked is, is the fact that they kept uh, going back and forth with the Bullet Club tracksuits. 
Oh yeah, that was so fun with Gino's reaction to seeing the rugby yep. players wearing it. <laughs> yeah, so he, and he didn't get his, so he was all upset. I, yeah, I like that. That was that was a lot of fun too. They they did a good job this year of making these matches fun without making them overbearing. Yeah, that's actually. I liked the like with the first match, which was celebrating the past, and the second match. As soon as Lij come out, it's immediately shifted to celebrating right. the present and the future, which I. I obviously was like, oh, that was an awesome thing as well. Uh, then the match afterwards was the like just full on the present of like go to and Kenta, as in by present I mean kept present, but lower down the card maybe their time at the top. They, where both have had times at tops at different places. Uh, Goto uh, was a former person in that kind of main event scene, but he's not really a heavyweight championship contender anymore. Uh, Kenta, obviously a big name in a different promotion. So it's nice to see them a little bit lower down, but also like still modern day guys <laughs> being celebrated. And then we've got our shift to all the championship matches. So, and let's also take a moment to uh, praise Chase Owens for being the top guy in New Japan last year in terms of getting pinfalls. Forty three pinfalls for Ch- for Chase Owens last year. Great job, Chase. <laughs> but uh, Yujiro took it tonight, <laughs> so he's off to. A, a, I don't know if he'll keep his record. I don't know. I'm st- I'm I've always been a fan of the Tokyo Pimp, so I'm okay with him. Uh, um, uh, so even though he has <clears throat> never ever cut you a deal, never, not once. That jerk <laughs> hit Jeff up uh, <laughs> at his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll, get, we'll end the show by quickly talking about tomorrow's card. But first, I want to give a shout out to the Stardom match, which uh, wasn't able to air live on the actual New Japan feed because of the, I guess, legal commitments and contracts that Stardom already had before Bushi Road bought them. So they're having to fulfill those. And uh, in time, Stardom will likely be on New Japan World, but they can't do it until the, those contracts are over. We, or I don't know if they can buy. I don't know. I don't know enough about New Japan. Sorry, about Japan law to know if they can buy out those contracts in some form of fashion. But so what we ended up having was a live match for the crowd, which people tweeted out about. So I've seen little snippets, and uh, the good news was the fans were really up for it. Because that's that slight worry. It's the first match, and if you've ever watched the Wrestle Kingdom show before, quite often with the uh, pre-show stuff, the fans are still filtering in, so they're a little bit quiet. Like they'll pop for big moments, but uh, apparently that wasn't the case here. They were totally up for it and really behind all four of the women. Uh, I got my prediction wrong because I know Bushi Road are really hot on Hannah Kimura, so I assumed they put her over, but no, they went with the already over one. <laughs> so like, oh, that makes more sense because <laughs> it's just a pre show thing. <laughs> you know, like put Hannah over when people are actually watching. <laughs> that makes sense, yes. Yeah. But yeah, you what might- are your guys' opinion on the. Uh, I guess New Japan stardom little collaborations that might be happening. I think it's good for the promotion, um, but I don't know enough about stardom to really make too much of a comment. Cat, stop chewing on that. You're going to choke yourself. That's <laughs> uh, Jeff distracted. What about you, Jen? <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't even know about it, so it's, it's news oh. to me that this is happening. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, Shane, I forgot to tell you, NJPW is adding a women's division. Yay. <laughs> I like the way they're doing it, though. It's are they, are, are, they, are they bringing Shayna Baszler or Tessa Blanchard over? No, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Wow. They're, well, they're, they're just... not even bringing Riho over. <laughs> I don't even know how involved they're going to be because uh, obviously it's just the Stardom promotion, which is now under the same banner. So I don't know if big events will feature a match, or if uh, we'll see just like maybe one match per show or something, or just like nothing, and they're just on the same banner. It's only Wrestle Kingdom. 
it's very early days, so no one has any idea. Uh, it's just kind of seemingly all over the place, and some people have left stardom because they're not entirely happy with what Bushi Road have said backstage. Of course, they said it backstage, so we don't know what that is. <laughs> so, we don't care. We don't care because it was backstage. <laughs> As in, in terms of, we'll see it in, on camera eventually. Like, what are the plans for Stardom and New Japan with it being under the same Bushi Road? Uh, but this was a interesting start because it's been years yeah. since we actually, actually, the match Tokyo Dome. Yeah, actually, actually in, all, in all seriousness, you know, I, I've enjoyed everything I've seen from Stardom, whether it be the guy, you know, a, a match of theirs here or there, or their wrestlers on AEW, or seeing their show on Viceland, you know, um, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, pretty much everything I've seen from stardom. So I'm, it's, it's cool that, you know, New Japan, you know, New Japan has been criticized in the past for not having women in their, in their organization. It was kind of like, well, why would we do that? We're already a great men's promotion, which is kind of how I've always felt, but adding, but, you know, so why would they want to build from the ground up? But like buying a new promotion or buying an already established promotion, that's probably the best women's promotion in the world. Um, is is really a cool idea, yeah. Like and a good way to integrate on, them in, yeah. Like feature them on big shows rather than trying to do what Ring of Honor have done because I don't really like what Ring of Honor have done, as in just trying to force a new division in there. It, it, it's not quite worked, <laughs> but but with uh, yeah, well, especially when you don't want to pay them what they're worth. Yeah, I don't oh, think you really want to get Shane. Yeah, I don't think you want to get Shane and I going on the Ring of Honor women's division <laughs> oh, right now. Especially when I'm trying to wrap up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, so we, we, uh, both have, we both have some ill feelings there. <laughs> so uh, also the uh, attendance, apparently according to New Japan, uh, the attendance recorded at the moment is 40,008, which is the best for, I think they, they said it at the time, it's like the best for like 15, 16 years, the best number they've pulled. Uh, like it, We're talking like before the Inoki crash this is the best number since before then as in they've actually recovered uh, okada in his speech afterwards was talking about how they've they didn't sell out and that's his goal is to sell out but this is again for like i don't know how many years on the trot now this is again their best number since the dark ages <laughs> it is a uh, continued hot streak they are doing really how did really they well. get that how did they get that extra eight people <laughs> i don't oh it's I'm assuming it's on the because there's on the day tickets. They, oh, that was it. They opened more seats like behind oh. the screens, apparently. Just so, like on the day tickets, and they all sold out. So maybe they were just the ones not taken up by the massive screens. That or was had, it? They... Or was it the guys sweeping the corridors? <laughs> As in, you sit down for all these seats, so it's not exactly forty thousand because that's suspicious. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's a little sketchy. So we're going to throw this other eight people down. <laughs> it's like the opposite of WWE, where they're like, "Oh, forty thousand seems a bit sketchy. Let's add on. Yeah, let's add three. on eight. <laughs> yeah, hey, let's add three. <laughs> Instead, the WWE... WWE does what they do: four thousand, forty thousand, three hundred and eighty-four. We'll just do eight. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. WWE add like another forty, twenty, forty thousand, and we're yeah. Let's add eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot more believable that way. Uh, anyway, so, <laughs> uh, we'll wow. end the show talking about uh, tomorrow's card. With uh, we've got the main event. We've already kind of minorly talked about in the title for title, the dash for the gold. Uh, what I, I don't know if I'm mixing that up with NWA series, but yes, IWGP Heavyweight Champion Okada versus IWGP IC Champion Naito. It's finally happening. The arc is coming to an end. It's been going on for six years. Surely Naito's winning. Uh, 
but yeah, that's a massive one. Uh, one match uh, which really looking forward to. Obviously, we'll talk about these tomorrow. So there's not really much to, to point going in real depth now. But uh, Tanahashi versus Jericho as well with the AEW implications, which is pretty massive. Uh, yeah, Ibushi versus White, Kenta versus Goto for the Never Championship, uh, Moxley versus Robinson for the US Championship, uh, and Zack Sabre, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata for the British Heavyweight Championship, and yes. finally. <laughs> and uh, just uh, their, their little thing together in that match in their tag match today so it's like oh they had like one sequence and it was so amazing <laughs> just yes yeah, I, I, I'm just so pumped and I have and I have been for weeks that Sonata finally gets a, a one-on-one singles championship match at Wrestle Kingdom mm. or, at, or, at, or at any big show you know so mm. uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship for ELP and Taiji Shimori versus Rapungi 3K Show and Yo and to kick off the show, uh, the Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement match, or second retirement match, as he teams with uh, Naiki Sano to take on Hiromu Takahashi and the formerly dragon Ryu Lee in the opening match as the uh, rivals teaming together to yeah, say goodbye to Liger. And then we all cry tomorrow at New Year's Dash with the ceremony. <laughs> all right you guys you guys have had this will be two nights in a row you've had me up all night so i will not be watching years dash uh live so don't spoil it for me as to how many people actually do cry <laughs> oh speaking of which that was a that was a another um line of the night uh when chris uh i, I can't remember his last name said that he's going to uh flounder like a baby or plumb like a baby tomorrow night when he's doing his when he's doing his research. I thought that was that was another just brilliant line. <laughs> yeah, with um, it's, it's, I loved the way that they painted the whole Liger thing. It felt like such a big deal. Like if watching it, thinking this is how you do retirement, kind of ending for such a big star. Like it feels perfect. Just saying like thank you and thinking of all the good times and then looking to the future with it as well. It's like oh, they've absolutely nailed this. <laughs> it's fantastic as well. Uh, also, if you care, there is a never open weight six man tag championship gauntlet uh, before the show. Oh, it, <laughs> so. oh there is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, before the show. Yes, it's on the show. I thought I'd put like if you if you're up early <laughs> or you're up, if you're ready before you were planning to. It's, it is on on the pre show. Uh, I'll quickly go through the teams. It's Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe. Yano and Taguchi on the same team. That is dangerous. That's why they're champions. <laughs> That's why they're dangerous. Uh, Chaos team of Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Robbie Eagles. Uh, Lij, Evil, Shingo Bushi, uh, Suzuki Gun, Taichi, El Desperado, and uh, Kanemaru. And Bullet Clubs, Chase Owens, Takahashi, and Bad Luck Valley. Uh, that's not in order. That's just the competitors. It'll be a random entry uh, and two teams. Yeah, every the team whoever loses will be the next one. It's not really decided. Uh, says he's got 60 minutes to go. These matches are normally quite long, but they're just filling a pre-show. So it's like, have it on in the background. You don't really need to pay attention. Like, they don't really care about these championships. <laughs> it's kind of like card it, filler. Is this actually on the app, Imp? It's it on, will be, yeah. yeah. It will be, It's yeah. supposed to be on the pre-game. It's supposed to be on the pre-show that does air on the app. All right, yeah, cool. So, so that'll, from, that'll start at about midnight, I think. Well, midnight EST. So eleven for you, and for me that'll be five a.m. Oh, it's an early one. <laughs> it's an early one. <laughs> Wait, is, is night two? Is night two starting before night one? Because we did, we had to get at two o'clock yeah. in the morning just to see this one. Yes, yeah, so this one starts two hours earlier. Oh, so I'm midnight. glad you told. I'm, 
I'm glad you told me that because I had no idea. <clears throat> I am yeah. too because now I won't take a pre nap. Yeah. <laughs> assumably that's better for you guys. Uh, for yeah, for me, I'll do my best to not fall asleep. <laughs> it's gonna be really early. See how I go. Anyway, we've managed to get through it all, and it's taken us under two hours. Well done, us. <laughs> for a Vesel Kingdom show, that's quite remarkable. <laughs> so, pat on the back. <laughs> uh, so we will be. We'll join you tomorrow. Uh, do you want to plug your stuff before we say goodbye? Uh, this, yeah, Jeff, you, you're the plug guy. You're yeah, the plug. I, check us out on Patreon, um, www.patreon slash Kingdom of Honor. That's where we do all of our um, exclusive stuff, uh, and you can donate to keep this happy stuff going. Um, almost slipped into my Kingdom of Honor role and forgot I was on YouTube there for half a second, so it's a good thing I paused. Um, but patreon.com slash kingdom of honors where you can uh, donate and um, enjoy our life uh, you can also look us all up on twitter uh, he's at zanman zanman lop i'm at Rigi co-op and that is at the damn implement Imp- yeah oh you're so Imp- close, <laughs> so oh. close. <laughs> i almost had it um but you know all three of us are on there you've got uh, imps youtube channel that you're listening to us on hopefully and also our youtube channel slash kingdom of honor um we're trying to get to his point i just haven't gotten there yet with the live radio um and hopefully someday we will soon uh and i guess shane that's on you now What's on me? The new plugs, because I'm too tired to think anymore. Oh, we have new plugs? Well, um, you have. I don't remember any, any new plugs. I'm not sure what you're talking about. The, the station? Oh, yeah. I figured it would do that. <laughs> but yeah, just you know, stay, just stay tuned for all the, all the other LOP radio shows. Like Im said, we'll be back t- tomorrow morning with you a little bit earlier than... Presumably, then today, or maybe the show is just going to go longer. <laughs> the, uh, oh God! Actual, like you know, I said, we're going fifteen show. hours. Fifteen um, hours. And then Jeff and I'll be with you on Monday. We're actually going to be doing a pre-preview of our Ring of Honor um, Legacy series. We haven't decided what we're calling it yet. Um, and then on Wednesday, we'll be Jeff and I will be with you for. Dynamite After Dark, right after AEW Dynamite goes off the air. Plus, there's also Sports Entertainment is Dead, for the, which shows a few more episodes to go. Imp will be back with you on Thursday, um, probably talking about pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I assume so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Imp's LOP Radio Adventure, and then Friday is the right side of the pond. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. All right, so I am doing my best to get LOP Radio up on the Lords of Pain YouTube channel, of which you are listening to it on now, if you're listening on YouTube, and if you've listened all the way to the end, which, if you know anything about YouTube and long podcasts, the small percentage make it to the end. <laughs> so that, if you are one of that small percentage, thank you. Um, so I'm trying my best to get everything up. Uh, Dynamite after I've done better with my show and Dynamite After Dark, but I'm going to try my best to get everything up there as well. And uh, in everything, I would include links to, like, external stuff and things as well so you'll very easily be able to find the Kingdom of Honor channel uh, once I've actually started doing it <laughs> I need to get on stuff yeah. as well uh, and other things as well like the uh, right side of the pond they've been doing a series I wanted to give that quite a bit of love because I it was the myth busting the 95 uh, it, it, for WWF and I kind of wanted to give that more than just a picture <laughs> that's there so that's the plan for Laws of Pain Radio kind of improve the actual YouTube channel greater than just podcasts with a picture so that's my aim. The question is, how on earth do I time sort that? <laughs> so I'll see my best. 
Uh, I also do columns over on lawsofpain.net. Uh, I don't know what I'll be writing about this week. I've been... I, I'm the guy who posts about WWE A and AW from the overall week every single Saturday for like 4,000 words. I've been doing that. I've taken the last month off. I feel like that's been deserved. I've enjoyed my time, but it's time to go back to work. And I'm not... I um, It's one of those where... It's the going back to work slight nerves because I don't want I've enjoyed my time off too much <laughs> so I'm, and I'm talking about watching and writing about wrestling <laughs> so perfectly fine uh, also the LOP awards have now closed they closed yesterday so if you did want to vote you've missed out <laughs> unfortunately but it is uh, the, the votes are being counted and next weekend myself and Sir Sam will be live to reveal the winners here on LOP radio and the LOP YouTube channel as well uh if I have time, I might Photoshop stuff, but now I'm regretting saying that because I don't. I know I won't find the time. <laughs> so don't expect anything. Um, I'll be I'll be here on Thursday uh, doing my show. It will be about wrestling. Jenny's psychic, but I don't know on what. He'll <laughs> be on something. Um, and if you didn't catch what Jeff was saying, you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. That's Dam as in Damn, and I'll be there uh, just tweeting about stuff. <laughs> my phone won't let me Twitter anymore. It doesn't... It, whenever I try and log on on my phone, it, I now get emails saying, is this you? Like, yes, why don't you trust my phone? <laughs> it is me. All <laughs> I know is your, Lar- your Lars Sullivan tweet last week had me laughing for about three days. Oh, well, I was... Because I've taken time off <laughs> over Christmas, and I just unplugged from everything, and then I, went, I thought, oh, I, I think it was like Boxing Day or something. I thought, yeah, let's just go on and have a look. <laughs> see what Twitter's talking about today. <laughs> like, the very first thing I see, so, well... Back to the family it is. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh for about three days. <laughs> and arguably the world has gotten worse <laughs> since I <laughs> plugged back in. Oh, I love the memes. <laughs> if there's one bright side, it's like, oh, 2020 is going to be my year three days later. World War Three is the number one trend. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, <it's... laughs> oh, the year has started off perfectly. Oh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we will be joining you after Vessel Kingdom tomorrow. So uh, let's let Zan and Jeff sleep and recover by midnight. And I'm going to do the same because I am also shattered. <laughs> it's tiring week. <laughs> so with that, I bid you adieu. And Jen and Zen, I'll put you both together. Jan and Jeff also say goodbye. Yeah, long days, pleasant nights. Goodbye. And, oh, holy crap, uh, over 100 playbacks on YouTube. Oh, that's pretty cool. Right, this is the bonus bit for podcast, where I think we're allowed to swear a little bit more. So, uh, <laughs> it's disconnected from YouTube. Uh, anyway, it's just the, there's, there's no, I call this extra content, but it's just me dribbling on whilst I figure out where to click to end the show. <laughs> so, enjoy this bonus content, guys. <laughs> this is, oh, this is <laughs> top tier Patreon type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Adios.